the way he says it, my body was fully engaged. I was literally Every like, cell. oh, like, I don't even know how to describe what my body was going through in that moment. Full body shivers. back to Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And you are officially welcomed to a very anticipated episode, and by very anticipated, I mean us three. (laughs) (laughs) Our Bridgerton discussion, Bridgerton season two discussion, part one, episodes one through four. So you have to stay tuned for the second part of this, which will be episodes uh, six to to eight. No, five to eight. (laughs) I can't count. Um, This is your friendly reminder. Um, If you enjoy the content we have for you today, uh, please feel free to share it online on your own social media pages. Uh, It's a small contribution, but it really does help and make a difference for us. Uh, so yeah, if you like it, share it with your friends who also love Bridgertons. Bridgertons? Who also love Bridgerton. (laughs) Um, now, before we get into the episodes, how did you guys like Bridgerton season two? Overall thoughts? Also, we should mention there will be a lot of spoilers in this discussion. Oh yeah, spoilers abound. This is like a spoilery discussion. Mm-hmm. And also, another fair warning, this will probably be very long. <laughs> so now's the time to do something else as you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> the chores, go on a walk. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this is probably going to be very long. So yeah, overall thoughts. Who wants to start? Silence. <laughs> I want to hear Seth's thoughts because... Yeah, okay. Let's go okay, with Seth. Um, it's hard because... No, it's not hard because I know exactly what you're going to say. I love the book, but the show was different, like way different than what the book was. And oh, yeah. there were aspects of it that um, I won't get into because it's not until later on in the show that I didn't uh-huh. enjoy. Um, but more or less, I just feel like Jonathan Bailey and Simone Ashley stole the show and... They embodied Kate and Anthony to a point where, like, I was just, I'm, like, obsessed with them. Um, And they're my main takeaway from that show. So I enjoyed it as, like, as a show itself. But, like, besides that, if I had to, like, look at the book and look at the show, I'd be like, ooh. Yeah. Uh, S, do you want to follow up? Uh, Yes. Um... (laughs) (laughs) She's like, no. Bye, guys. (laughs) No. The end. So for me, I think it's a little bit like the opposite from Seth, where I read the book and I wasn't really a fan. Yeah. True. Where now with the show, like I'm obsessed. Like Really? Like mm-hmm. obsessed. Like to the point where I think up until like episode three and up, like I was like either like in tears or laughing or even just really? in tears at like how beautiful everything As- was. Why do you always have to be not like the other girls? Huh? You always have to be the different one. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but no, like, I, I love the show. Like, 
and I think I want to compare a little bit like with the first season and this one like I okay. think this season was like it went beyond yeah it was my favorite mm-hmm. for sure Okay. Me being like a intense fan of the book, I will even agree with that statement. I felt like this season went above and beyond from season one. If we had to compare seasons, but they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a good uh, jumping off point just to remind everyone that uh, we also did this for season one. So we also have two episodes on season one if you want to go and listen to that as well. Uh, and we did read The Viscount Who Loved Me for the podcast, so we also have that up on our page if you want to check that out. Uh, see our thoughts on the book, and then maybe our thoughts on this season. Uh, yeah. My opinion. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. This might be long. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm obviously a fan of the book. Love the book so much. Um, I love it for the banter. I think whenever I read that book, my main takeaway for me is always the banter mm-hmm. um, and how lighthearted and fun it is as a read. So going into this season, um, I think it's hard because after my initial viewing, I was left not disliking it, but also not loving it. And I was like, I really love everything that's Kate and Antonia yes. here. I do. And I think it took some time, like a couple hours after finishing the season, for me to to grapple with the fact that there were changes here, um, but also recognize that I do think the essence of who Kate and Antony are together is here. Yes. And the banter, whoops, the banter that I love so much in the book is here, mm-hmm. but the lightheartedness is not necessarily and I think I've come to terms with the fact that I'm okay with that like I'm kind of good at separating when I realize that two things are very different I'm kind of good at separating them in my own brain and and taking them as they are for what they are um so I love everything Kate and Antony here but I just don't think the rest is good me either i don't think the rest is necessary this season to me felt like the featheringtons yeah Mm, yeah not the bridgertons i it it made me dislike that whole family including penelope which is sad because i love her as a character but i was like penelope why are you here i don't care right now i just want to go back to kate and Antony, and i I consistently wanted to go back to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, every scene that wasn't with them, I was like, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to go back to whatever was yeah. going on in that office or that library or on that field, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we here? Mm-hmm. And and to the point where I, I wanted to skip parts, you know, in my initial viewing, which is not good, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do it. I, I stopped myself from doing that. But... Uh, then I took a moment of pause, realized all those things and why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And I started viewing it again. I started a second watch. I've only seen episodes one to four as of now because I wanted to make my, you know, take my notes for, for this episode. But I'm only watching the Bridgerton bits. I'm skipping everything else. And already my experience with this season is like 10 times better mm-hmm. because now I'm seeing the threads Every like their story is so like constantly interrupted with other stuff that the pace feels weird. Yeah. 
But if you're only watching the Bridgerton bits, which if you're feeling kind of eh about the season, I highly recommend you do that because then you see, okay, this is what they're going for, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's making me enjoy the angstiness of Kate and Antony here a lot more, especially now that I know what's coming, which we can discuss certain changes, you know, as we get to them. But I think this second viewing is helping me be like, yeah, so this is what they're going for. And like, now I'm feeling the angst. Now I'm feeling the like, oh my God. (laughs) So you didn't feel the angst the first time around? Yes, but I think it was overshadowed by my own shock Mm -hmm. at just how far they took certain things that I really wasn't expecting them to take it that far. Um, Unfortunately, another criticism for me I did not like Edwina here and I'm really sad about that because Edwina was a great character in the book. I don't like her, but that doesn't mean that I don't understand why they did what they did with her character and like why they chose to add so much drama surrounding her character. It's Shondaland. Like, I mean, Shondaland. Exactly. Like they, they wanted to make it angstier and that's fine. I understand that. But at the same time, I can also say... I'm a little a little sad that this is what happened with Edwina because I didn't not like her here I agree. at all. I agree. So yeah, do I have anything else? Uh, the music, hated, hated. I, I love the music. Well, listen, I I mean I said it in the first season. I do not like the like classical re- rendition of modern music. Oh, okay. I I dislike that stuff because I find it very very distracting. And I also find it sad because Chris Bowers, who is the composer for the original music for the show, is so amazing. And his score for the first season was, yeah, just so grand and romantic. And, like, it just captured perfectly the emotions of that season. And whenever his score would play, you're like, oh, my God, this is great. Here, I feel like it was completely overshadowed by all the, you know classical renditions of of modern music to the point where you don't even realize when he's his score is actually there and what it when it is you barely hear it like there's no emphasis on that and then on top of that my real gripe with the score here is that whenever Kate and Antony are for most of their like really important scenes it's a fucking rendition and not original score like they don't have it seems like a like a one piece of music that's like that's the Kate and Anthony theme you know whereas like you think of uh, we could form an attachment for season one you're like you hear that you're like Simon and Daphne you know that's like their theme their love theme here I like where's the love theme I wouldn't be able to pinpoint just off of hearing a theme playing oh yeah that's that scene and that's what that means for those characters and you know what I mean like I just feel like it wasn't as clear I mean to be fair like I feel like the I love you as I don't know if it's called I love you but I feel like that like really embodied Anthony and Kate like I really liked that piece of music I know that's like episode eight but I mean no no, no I like if you listen to the 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 score itself yeah it's very good my my gripe is that it's not emphasized in the show oh like, okay yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with enough. that yeah but with like for sure go and listen to them he created amazing pieces of music mm-hmm. for this season yeah you just don't hear them which is sad yeah okay. but you do hear like material girl <laughs> and you do hear like stay away and yeah. you ought to know and like you do hear those you you can't miss them they're so obvious which is my i don't like how obvious they are 
I think there's like you have to find a balance with that. But um, anyways, the rest, I guess I'll uh, get to eventually. How did you feel about Kate and Antony separately? I love them. As characters here. They were honestly amazing. Their character development. I feel like this season really focused on developing these characters and empathizing with these characters and actually understanding these characters, which I, I'm not comparing to season one, but I feel like I didn't feel that with season one. And I don't know if it's just like the writing. I just, they really focus on the characters in this season. And I really appreciated that. I loved Kate and I loved Anthony separately as well as together. Yeah, Yeah, I think they did a fantastic, like Jonathan Bailey did a fantastic job with Anthony uh, at bringing so much emotion to the character and so much complexity to the character. Um, I cannot overstate like how incredible it is to see a a male character like Anthony cry on screen and like actually live his emotions and it's like not it uh, it doesn't like undermine him it doesn't like you don't pity him you feel for him like you it's so beautiful and like shocking to see a man like that break down because you never see that in in tv or in movies because it's just like men quote unquote aren't supposed to do that you know so that's the beauty of the female gaze here. I, I agree. Turned on to men. And I also find it like really funny because I remember when season one was over and they announced that it's Anthony's season, everyone's like, ew, why would we want like this sexist, disgusting man as like, you know, the hero of season two? But like, I feel like people who said that post season one or like, and post season two now, they're like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. So I feel like just the idea that like he went through this big grand character arc and like evoked all these emotions with the viewers like a commendment to like how amazing yeah. Jonathan is as an actor but why should we dismiss that character why like look what happens when you actually give the space for someone like that yeah. to actually process his emotions and his own misogyny you know internalized misogyny and also to see his perspective as well yeah Obviously, like, they did change certain things about his character. Like, the whole reason for his trauma is not explained here. Like, the whole, like, I will die when I'm, what's, is it 39, 38, 39? No, he's 38. Oh, that's right. I I completely missed that. I have a small theory. I feel like because Simone and uh, Jonathan are actually coming back for season three, I feel like they'll delve more into, like, their married like problems so I'm hoping maybe like he might make a throw-off comment about like yeah like I'm not gonna be here for blah 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 blah. and I hope maybe they'll have their own drama because they are coming back so I need them to be back because I didn't get enough of them yeah but they both confirmed that they're actually back three and four they're they're in it so I'm like I'm hoping that we actually explore some issues in your marriage that maybe we obviously didn't get to see in a way that makes sense because Simon and Daphne, it didn't make sense because, A, they're not that much in the books. But also, Simon, once Daphne marries him, she kind of leaves the family. You know, she starts her own family separate from the Bridgetons, you know. But here, Antony is, uh, and with Kate, they become the pillars of this family. Like, they are so present in the series. So, to me, if there's any story that can continue on and that I'll be happy to see continue on and, and, you know get more and more complicated and you know see them go through highs and lows together it's them because they are the pillars here of this family so so i'm i'm really crossing my finger that my fingers that they do do that that they give them more space especially because like 
like everyone else on the internet, we're all mad that we got like nine minutes of them being happy and married. So I know. But my sister, like, she loves the drama. She's like, what in case season three, one of their issues is going to be Sienna. What in case she comes in? And I'm like, oh, Sienna. I can no, see. No, he, he burned that bitch. He burned, he burned her. her, right? But then I'm like, I can see Shonda <laughs> Rhimes, like, bringing her in just to, like, cause, like, you know, some issues. But, yeah. Mm. Anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But lastly, uh, I just want to say something about Kate. I love Kate. I love her fierceness. I love her strong-mindedness. I love how loud she is as a woman. Mm-hmm. I love how opinionated she is as a woman. Um, I will say, though, I did miss her vulnerability here. You know, what makes Kate great is that, yeah, she has this front where she's strong and, you know, everything I just said, yet she also has these moments where she's vulnerable and she's actually not that confident and et cetera, et cetera. This wasn't here. I feel like they obviously gave more space to Antony to be more, you know, complex because he's the Bridgerton. But I do think if you had, you had eight hours, over eight hours of content here. So you could have done away with some of the fluff, fluff, you know, nonsense that's happening in the background and given more space for for Kate to actually have the trauma that she's supposed to have and, you know, be (sighs) a little vulnerable. I will say, though, Simone Ashley is amazing. And again, it's a testament to her own acting that, despite there being like this vulnerable side of Kate not being outright explored here you still feel it so you know good on her for that but I I do wish we had seen a little bit more of that side of of Kate because I agree it's important because yeah a lot of her fierceness is like as a facade because she is dealing with a lot of trauma and a lot of her own issues in the book that I kind of hope that we did see you're right S, do you have anything to add on Kate and Antony as characters? I love them. Absolutely. For Antony, for sure, I really disliked them in season one. Yeah. So And also in the book. In the book as well. I I didn't like him. Um, You did warm up to him towards the end, though. I remember that. But that was like 30% towards the end where... Is that enough? Is it? I mean, if he redeems himself, he redeems himself. But in the show, it was completely different. Like, I, I freaking loved him um, for Kate as well. So everything that Seth said, like, I agree, like, with the way he changed and the way they showed him being vulnerable as well. Oh, yeah. I love him. He's great. Yeah. He has so many great moments here. So many. And it's just, like, Jonathan's acting. I don't know, like, the little smallest little movement of him, like, that he makes it's so like intentional and like you just or the, the intonation in his voice sometimes yes. like he's got like a couple scenes where his voice it doesn't crack fully but there's just like a little like I, I mean I'm thinking of one scene in particular so I'll, I'll talk about yeah, it yeah. when we get to it but just the delivery of certain yeah. lines I'm like oh this no, is so good it's so great and it's like <laughs> whenever he gets like over emotional like anthony obviously has yeah. like a tight lid on his emotions but when he can't oh, yeah, and yeah. he's like so emotional about certain things his voice gets quiet and he starts whispering like he fears his voice will crack or something like he just whispers uh-huh. it and i'm like holy jesus uh-huh. yeah i love that they made him like so i think jonathan bailey describes it as animalistic here like mm, how yeah. he's so in tune to her <laughs> 
smell. Like, I don't know where they got that, but I'm into it. The amount of times he sniffed her and he literally almost, like, came from her scent. Literally, like, ugh. Anyways. We're getting ahead of ourselves, guys. I'm sorry. I know. But then, like, you're rewatching it and I'm discovering new places where he's actually smelling her again. Yeah. I'm like, boy, can you stop? Like, you need to... This makes me think of... um, Lillian and uh, Marcus. Yeah. I, okay. I got serious Westcliff and Lillian Marcus vibes and Lillian. in this yeah, yeah, yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Agreed. sorry, Westcliff and Lillian from Lisa Claypass's Wallflower series. It happened when autumn. Yes. Yeah. But also like major Pride and Prejudice yeah. vibes. Yeah. They Pride and Pre- Prejudice-ified <laughs> the Viscount who loved Yes. Me. The hands, everything, like, this, they really did their yeah. homework on this season. Like, they did their homework. They knew what they wanted to include, and they did it. The hands, the the looks of longing. This is not the Viscount who loved me, but it is Kate and Anthony. Yes. It's like fanfic for Kate and Anthony. Yeah, you just have to be willing to let that go. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to let it go. I and too. once you do, you actually enjoy what's going on. Sorry, what's going on so much more. Yeah. I will say I've literally watched all the fan videos out there already. I've literally watched all the interviews out there. I literally watched everything about them. I'm obsessed. Um, all right. So let's start 22 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, episode one, capital R rake. Yes. I can't say it like uh, Julie Andrews, capital R rake. Yes, say it. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I can't roll my R's. Uh, All right, Seth. Yeah. Do you want to tell us briefly what happens in this episode? Sure. Um, So basically, this episode starts off with the Bridgertons, and we see Eloise. She's getting ready to uh, be presented to the queen, where uh, it's the whole, you know, process of the queen announcing her diamond. And we know from last season, she hates all of this. She hates being, like, you know, primped up and... um, but she has to do it anyway. She She's being presented for this season. Um, we also have Anthony, who has declared he's ready uh, to find a wife this season. And um, he only wants the best for himself. Um, and what does he want, guys? Tolerable, dutiful, suitable enough hips for childbearing, <laughs> and at least half a brain. But that's only a preference, not a requirement. <laughs> what a dig. I love, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That was so great. And I love how Benedict and Gregory are like, mm, all right. Benedict. I fucking loved Benedict in this season. He was a like, scene right stealer. from the get go. He's like, how romantic. <laughs> <laughs> and the boy who played Gregory grew up so much, but he's still so adorable. His little dimple. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, we also know Lady Whistledown hasn't written a gossip paper this whole season, um, but. As Eloise is being presented, a new issue arrives, interrupting her presentation to the Queen Charlotte. And we know Queen Charlotte is all about, um, you know, revealing and finding out who Lady Whistledown is. But as viewers, we already know that that's Penelope, sorry, Featherington. Um, And what happens next is that we are introduced to the Sharmas, who um, had just arrived from India to London. And... um, that's a lie. We don't we don't get introduced to them yet. We see Anthony on a ride. True. Yeah, we see Anthony on a ride back from a brothel. He's going back home early morning. He comes across this woman who's riding this horse like pretty quickly, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, is she gonna die?" Um, but mm-hmm. then he uh, sees her, sees her face, and they have 
they have words. They start bantering. She should not be out there. He does not know who she is. She won't even tell him her name or anything like that. And she's trying to get to Mayfair. And he's like, girl, <laughs> you ain't getting to Mayfair that way. No. Um, so she obviously goes in the direction he says. And he's left smiling and, like, beguiled by this mysterious woman. Uh-huh. Um, and then we find out she's Miss Kate Sharma, who, um, you know, is a daughter of Mary Sharma. And... Um, she has a sister named Edwina, and they are here for the season, and they are being sponsored by Lady Danbury. And Kate is all about her sister finding a husband, not herself, but her sister needs to marry well and have a good match. Um, and she's done all of her homework. She knows what needs to get done. She taught her sister well. Um, and they're introduced at a ball. And Kate is looking for potential suitors, like I said, for her sister <laughs> when she sees a man. <laughs> She sees the You're man like from the forest. Saying everything that happens. I'm skipping all the Featheringtons and everyone else. Oh yeah, we're totally skipping all of that. <laughs> I do not care. Anyways, uh, yeah. So that's like I, I did not finish the episode description, but whatever. I mean, you did say a lot. Okay. So there's a lot in what you said that we can discuss. Yeah. Uh, first off. How funny was it, Anthony, doing his interviews? How much of an ass is he? His interviews. I love his questions. It's literally like a job interview. Like, these ladies are like, what the actual hell? That's exactly what I was saying when I was watching it. I'm like, is he interviewing these people for a job? Like, what's going on? Well, basically. I love it. And then we get that um, amazing um, shot of his uh, buttocks. His butt was great. Can bounce a coin on that. And that's like 15, well, that's 15 minutes in. But like, I will tell you, that's basically the only time we see his ass, unfortunately. That we get like some, some eye candy in this first episode of, you know, Jonathan Bailey's amazing physique. Yes. But then never again. I know. I'm a little, I'm a little disheartened by that. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I am too. I kind of. If he's I, gonna look like that, like give me a scene where like she stumbles upon him, like bare chested or something, please. Yeah. Like look at the man. Anyways, the first meeting, a big change, is it not? How do we feel about this uh, alternate meeting? Meet cute. What was the first? What was not the first? What was the meet cute in the book again? Uh, they meet at a ball and then Colin meets Kate first and she's like, I fucking hate that dude. He's like, haha, that's actually my brother. And then Colin goes to Anthony. He's like, oh, yes. this girl has been raving about you. Why don't you go ask her to dance? And he does. And he thinks that she's like a super fan. And turns out Kate just like gives him shite. So I completely forgot everything like from the book. I actually asked, what do you think about their their meeting? Uh, like when they're meeting at the when they're riding the horses. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. I thought it was a good. It was a good meeting. It was a good first impression, I guess you can say. Mm. Um, I don't remember how they met in the book. You just explained it, but I didn't remember. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought it was great. I agree. I think this meeting was like really well done in the sense where like I loved that after that point they both were kind of like who is this person I'm kind of interested kind of not but then like you actually see Kate's blinders come on and she's like never mind I -hmm. hate you after like she overheard him talking to his friends and I I loved that I thought like she just like she had a reason to dislike him and dislike him immensely but that she specifically started out 
liking him yeah. or being intrigued yes. and then he killed it mm-hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> he he messed up yeah but, I um, love that I do I do like the change because I actually think it works well in the show where their first meeting already starts out they're like this thing that they got going that nobody else is aware of. Mm-hmm. Like, already it's, like, this secretive kind of forbidden, like, oh, no, I don't go out writing, mm-hmm. you know, at hours that I shouldn't go out writing at. Or, you know, I didn't meet this man already, you know? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it already kickstarts this whole thing where it's, like, ooh, what we do in the dark that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like the change. And, like, it, it does show their, like, playfulness together. And I, I like that they started out friends and then he messed up. And from then on, she's like, you're actually an asshole. Yeah. I loved so, it. I yeah. really liked their change yeah. in the first um, I also like uh, that – and this is a, a change that I actually appreciate uh, – I like how Lady Danbury and Kate are kind of going head to head. Like, they're not seeing eye to eye at the beginning. I like to see someone challenge Lady Danbury like that. And you see how headstrong Kate is Mm -hmm. that she's taking on someone like her. And Lady Danbury is a little shook. (laughs) You know, she's a little shook by the fact that Kate is being so headstrong about things and came prepared and in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do like their dynamic together yeah throughout the whole season I really liked their dynamic and also just Lady Danbury like she was amazing this season I loved her and I loved her also like with Anthony as well I know I'm getting off topic going ahead but like I yeah I just really enjoyed her character um how do we feel about the whole Sheffield agreement scheme thing for Edwina's dowry it's introduced in this episode I thought interesting i also like that we had a little nod to the sheffields um yeah because we know kate sheffield was her original name in the book um yeah i just i feel like it made me empathize with kate so much because you see like what she's struggling with and you actually understand like how heavy this burden is at that point and i'm like kate girl you're 26 why are you dealing with all of this your mom is right there let her let your mom deal with it but no she just she looks so heavy you know, and like I like that you actually realize why she felt that way or why she appeared that way. But it's also so sad to see her so ready to give up on herself, her dreams, her own shot at happiness. Yeah. Like she's fully prepared to let that go. I don't know. It's it's sad and bittersweet, I guess. Uh, but you also obviously understand and, and it shows you just how much she loves her sister and and she's kind of acting like a mom yeah which yeah now that i think about it is an interesting dynamic because it's not like edwinia doesn't have a mom she does she does so it's it's interesting to me why kate has is filling those shoes i never thought about it that much but i guess like seeing it on screen kind of brought that to light for me like why is she acting like edwina's mom so much when edwina yeah. has a mom she doesn't need a second mom yeah but to be honest like i i can kind of see it in the way that like at least like i can say in my family and like where like my family's from i just the idea of like you know you being like the daughter of like another woman's you know she like you're another woman's child and like you know your your father married this other woman you kind of feel like you don't have a place like society Mm. tells you like why are you raising this random child that's not your own like type thing and it's like I can see her like maybe she internalized that or maybe that's something she experienced as well that she like 
she in India, maybe that was something that she was like, I need. She even said it. She did say like she felt like she had to earn her place. But like, I think it was just more yeah. so like Edwina was like all their bets were on her for like, you know, she was the one that needed to be successful um, because Kate felt like, you know, she came from somewhere else. Like she is not. I don't know. I just like I understood where Kate was coming from. And it was just like heartbreaking to see her in that light. Yeah. I did see uh, a couple people online say that as older child, like the older child in a family, they resonated with that a lot. I'm the youngest yeah, of I'm three, youngest so well. I, I, it's not really a, a position that I relate to because it's, it's never been me. Yeah. But um, so yeah, it, it is something to note, I guess, uh, for people out there who are the older child. Maybe they yeah. very much relate to that feeling of of needing to. Be the first to do everything and, and, you know, pass it on, pass your knowledge on to your brothers and sisters and yeah. uh, act as like the protector, you know, because if your parents die, you, you it's you. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, case in point, Anthony Bridgerton. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I don't know, like maybe Mary was really grieving at that point when like the father died and maybe she was like Violet, not present. And it fell to Kate to take care of her younger sister. And she probably took that yeah. all throughout their adulthood. Um, was, um, sorry, that scene where the truth came out about the Sheffield, um, inheritance, um, that was a scene where she tells Lady Danbury that, uh, that she could just, you know, live her life like Lady Danbury, or was that later on? No, that's a, that's later okay, on, okay. yeah. Yeah. I have a question before we move on. Are Kate and Edwina half-sisters in the book as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I wasn't, I didn't remember and I wasn't too sure if that changed in the show. I believe that Kate's uh, trauma with storms, did it not originate from the death of her mother? It did. She uh, she witnessed her mom die on, like, a very, like, stormy night. Yeah, she was super night. sick. And, you, yeah. and the lightning, yeah, yeah. I remember it so vividly. Like, the lightning shone as, like, her mom, like, like her body, she was already dead. But, like, it, like, the mo- like I, I guess, like, was it rigor mortis caused her body to, like... Like a ghost. Oh, yeah, 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 to, like, like sit up. It, like And the lightning shone. And, like, she was just traumatized as a child seeing her mother, like, her mother's yeah. body do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so they share the same father, mm-hmm. but not the same mother. Yeah. Um, so, oh, there's also, like, the scene that we've seen countless times before uh the one scene that the the first look that they shared um of uh antony at the ball who's all giddy to find the woman that uh he first meets in the woods uh horse riding and then she's like your horsemanship is shit (laughs) you're an ass and the only thing this man focused on that she said is that she found her smile pleasing Pleasing he's like damn she found my smile pleasing yeah and then his smile is truly pleasing when he's in her presence so Uh. You know, uh, so and then, oh, I mean, I, there's not much to say about that scene. I feel like we've been sitting on it for like yeah. months. So, but the episode ends with Kate and Antony being properly officially introduced to each other. Yeah. Was it annoying to you that whenever Kate was introduced, it was Miss Sharma and Miss Edwina Sharma? I was like, well, why does my that? Kate not have a, a yeah. name? Why does she, she have a name? Yeah, I didn't get that either. Is it because she's the eldest? She's like Miss Sharma, but then we have to specify Miss Edwina Sharma because oh, she's the youngest. Oh, maybe I'm sure. I'm sure there's like a custom thing attached to that, like an etiquette thing maybe. of the time. Like they they did it for a reason. But I was kind of wondering if it's because she's um, maybe a spinster and therefore kind of 
olderfied <laughs> by the fact that she's just Miss Sharma. I don't know. Yeah. I'm inventing words. How old um, is Edwina in this in the show? I don't know. I don't they remember. aged her. They aged her because she's not I 19? think she's nineteen. Yeah, nineteen, 19 in the show. And then in the book? Like sixteen. I think she's seventeen in the sh- in the book. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And then Kate is like twenty in the book, but then they made her twenty six year. Which oh. that line when Lady Denbury's like, "You're gonna be considered old at your mature age of," and she's like six and twenty, and like, "Ouch!" <laughs> I know. I was like, "Damn, I'm turning twenty seven, and I'm gonna be like Charlotte from Br- Pride and Prejudice, and I'm gonna be like, I have no prospects. <laughs> I live. What is it? I live with my parents." I have no prospect. What was the rest of it? I have no money or no prospects. No. Yeah, I'm literally going to be Charlotte in two weeks. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? I'm going to marry the ugly ass guy that everyone is annoyed by. <laughs> yeah, they're introduced. And then Antony is like, that's it. I'm a, I'm a wife up uh, Edwina, Edwina over there. What? No, it was this episode where she gets declared the diamond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she gets declared the diamond. Mm-hmm. Then Antony sees her for the first time. Yeah. He's like, "Oh my god!" Literally, like pushes everyone out of the way, basically. And then the queen sees him. He's she's like, "Oh my god, Antony Bridgerton!" And yeah. then they dance. And then afterwards, he's talking to Violet, and he's like, "I'm gonna marry her." Yeah. And uh, Kate is telling Edwina, "Like, never talk to that man ever again." And that is the yeah. end of episode one. So that brings us. Hold on, before we get. Sorry. Before we get to episode two, I just wanted to talk about, like, how was it seeing, like, the Bridgerton family again on screen? Like, how did you feel about seeing oh, them Oh, amazing. Again? Yeah. It was great seeing them. I loved them. And I also loved that Daphne was there. We did not talk about Daphne yes. at all yet. But not yet. Well, she's not there yet. Yeah, she was in the first episode. I thought she arrives at Aubrey Hall with her baby. That that's the first time we see her. No, her first time was when um they're all oh, waiting yeah, for when... Eloise. Oh for right, Eloise. Eloise is. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I love Daphne in this season. I really do. I loved her. Like I honestly, I did not like her in the first season, and then even in their book, I absolutely despised her so much. Um, but she really <laughs> shone in this season. I loved her yeah. character. I I loved her in the first season, but I love her here and even more. I think uh, motherhood really truly does suit her, and I love how meddlesome she becomes and how she's like seeing things that nobody else is, is seeing, right? and she's like, "Are y'all kidding me? Like, is nobody seeing what this is <laughs> going on here?" <laughs> she was hilarious. And Phoebe, who plays um, so Daphne, good. Yeah. amazing. And I love that she finally, I know season one was her season, but I felt like she was overshadowed by reggae. And I feel like in this season, she was allowed to shine and like, you know, take center stage at mm. points. I just really felt like yeah. she was amazing. I also really loved Eloise. Like here, she's, it's just so funny. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm literally going back to the first scene, but like when she comes out looking amazing and she's like if any of you says anything I was like that is the most relatable scene I've ever seen as someone with siblings yes (laughs) no but then it's also like they know she hates it so they would probably like make fun of her Or, or or when she has her dancing card and she's like putting names like Byron and stuff on and her mom's like um what the heck Uh, I love her so episode two off to the races which coincidentally is the name of one of my favorite songs of all time off to the races lana del rey go have a listen (laughs) bless thy ears (laughs) oh you know it oh okay 
Amazing song. If you like the daddy vibes, but like in music, there you go. <laughs> um. Anyways, what happens in this episode, Steph? All right. Um. So Miss Edwina, 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 Edwina. I say Edwina. Edwina. Yeah. They say Edwina, Edwina in the show. Um. Is now the diamond, and men are lining up to court her. So Kate is very busy. Um. Evaluating each and every one of these men. Um. And Anthony comes calling, and there's a literal lineup mm, through the door, yeah. probably. And she's like, "Back of the line, bitch. Back of the line." And uh, well, they're all yeah. back of the line too. <laughs> it was just yeah. So yeah, that was great. And then we also have Colin Bridgerton returning from mm-hmm. Greece. Um, Penelope, of course, is overjoyed to see the man that she's been writing to back and forth for the whole season. Um, mm-hmm is back and their friendship has also developed through those letters and we know her feelings have also deepened don't care about the feathering things moving on everyone's at the races uh the ascot is in full swing and kate is introduced to a man named mr dorset who is seemed to uh, have taken an interest in her indeed because mr anthony bridgerton was gonna invite edwina to the races but kate was like she's booked and busy yes yeah <laughs> You can try in December when she's married. <laughs> and like I love his smile and he laughs, like his like fake laugh. Like I know. angry laugh. And then she shuts the door in his face. I love it. <laughs> and he like just stands there and like you know, looks to the side to the other suitors and he leaves. I love it. And then he goes to his family and he's like, We're all going. I don't care what y'all doing today, we're going. Yeah, we are going. Like it is happening. And you see, like, I love that he just like he's so calculating when he's like, Yeah, my whole family's yeah. going. Edwina is gonna really like seeing like me with like as a family man. So we're all gonna yeah. laugh and like be a part of this. So you guys are all coming. And uh yeah, yeah so they're all they're all there and Edwina is um spending time with another suitor. Um, mm-hmm. until Anthony kind of, like, sends him away to go get drinks and, like, literally, like, squeezes himself in between Kate and literally. Edwina. And I'm rolling. I love that instead of going to the side where he could have just, like, not disrupted anyone, he literally goes between two people. He's, yeah. like, pushing them to the side, like, sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe he's, like, Kate is going to, like, maybe, like, sit beside Edwina so I won't be able to yeah. sit beside her. So he's, like, let me just take this moment yeah. and just, like, boop, boop, boop. That's what he did. I love it. And then the the Edwina suitor is like, oh, the Bridgerton are such a good family. And, and Anthony's just like, yeah, I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like fully agreeing. Like, we're, we're amazing. And like Kate is there on the side trying to like, you know, get Edwina to notice her suitor again. And like, he mm-hmm. is like all pro Bridgerton. I was dying. Yeah. So they start discussing who they bet yes. on, who's what what horse they're betting on. And uh, Kate teaches him the ways, and they're arguing. And I love that Edwina looks to um, Mr. Dorset, and she's like, "Should we st- should we stop them?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I think that's just how they are. It's fine. It's uh, ami- amiable." No, it arguing. was literally. She's like, um, "Kate, aren't you like feeling like a bit warm or something?" And then he's oh, like, true, "Oh, yeah, 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 Kate, let's go this way." And then nope, they're like, Kate and Anthony are like back to bickering and literally gonna like jump down each other's throats um yeah fighting and um, of course kate's horse wins i mean first i love the line where he's like uh, no she's she says uh, no he says you think too much about yeah. it because like she proved him wrong and he's like you think too much about it and she's like you too little i know <laughs> I love their bickering was so good i feel like i ended up laughing a lot throughout it that i missed some of it because like it's oh, yeah. so good they really yeah. got the bickering yeah. down in the show 
it's the little moments like that for sure yeah and how unhinged they both become (laughs) (laughs) during the race um yeah and yeah her her horse wins and then edwina talks about a a horse back home that she liked and anthony is like oh (laughs) yeah and um so anthony and edwina go and see this this horse that you know is on the field and then mr dorset kind of lets it slips out that uh anthony told him to uh court her or like spend the time or occupy her time sorry so that he can spend time with edwina and Kate is yeah. livid. Furious. Because yeah. this man keeps playing games. He's keeps coming up with schemes and lying. And she is not having any of it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't ever come near my sister or me ever again. And it's a very public <laughs> display of anger that I was like, is no oh, yeah. one yeah. talking about this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, this is also the episode where we're introduced to the Eloise Theo thing. I wonder, how do you guys feel about that? I actually really liked it. Really? I must be the odd one out. I am a Philip and Eloise lover. I love them as a couple. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed their books. So this is not to say I don't want that, but I was actually really pleased with the Eloise Theo thing. I think it's important to see, especially someone like Eloise, who's always so... She she has opinions about love because she's never experienced it in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, she's very, like, strict and, like, you know, doesn't want to change her mind about certain things. So I think it's it was actually really important to see her kind of experience, like, first love type of thing. Like, nothing that lasts, but actually realizing that... Love can be for everyone and you can find, you just have to find the person that's for you. And here, Theo, it was like a a connection of the minds, you know, Mm -hmm. like they shared interests. And I I love it because it made her go, huh, that's possible. Yeah, I think the reason why Theo and Eloise was very, like they were in this, or sorry, that Theo was in this season was for her to actually be open to maybe the idea of love. Like she is no longer like, no, that's not for me. I don't want to get married. I don't want that. I don't want this. Yeah. Like I'll stay alone because if I marry, then I'm, uh, I'm, you know, submitting myself to a man type of thing. You know, like she, she noticed, she realized that that's not necessarily true. Yeah. It can be an equal thing on yeah. both. yeah and she's like curious about you know how like kate was able to stay a spinster and all of that that like i think her being able to see and like a a side of love or like an aspect of what could be romantic love really does Mm -hmm. shed some of her prejudices but also like open herself up to maybe the idea possibly um to love yeah wait is is theo a thing in the books Mm-mm. or no no so this no, is all he doesn't exist okay well i i liked the addition i mm-hmm. i like seeing this like underground kind of world where people discuss opinions that go you know against you know what's acceptable and you know they're being little radicals together and mm-hmm. i think eloise kind of fits in really well with that um yeah. Yeah. and obviously the whole her whole relationship with philip is that philip allows her to have her space to explore those things you know like he's he's fully accepting of that side of Eloise and he gives her that space to do whatever she wants so yeah so do you think that's gonna happen I don't know 
but they're kind of not not going there because well we're not with the marina yeah thing we're not yet, there so yet. i'm not gonna we're not there yet but i i'm not seeing them necessarily backing off from that okay. you know it's possible with what they're setting down i don't i I, it could be picked up i am like the firm believer in they are not allowed to alter the romantic pairings in the books at all the bridgertons need to end up Mm -hmm. with who they end up with and that's it so we're not changing who they end up with and i have a feeling that that's what they're going for i guess we'll have to see but so far with two seasons looks to me as though their plan is to keep the main relationships as they are or keep their essence at the very least but then change everything else yeah because the (laughs) the father never died right the father never dies in the book the father never dies Mm -hmm. penelope has a younger sister (laughs) we never see her she doesn't exist in this world really Heck, even Francesca doesn't exist in this world. Where the heck is she? Yeah, I think I only saw her once in this season, yeah. right? Like she has, beginning? like, one line. She has one line, and it's when Daphne mm. arrives at Aubrey Hall and asks Eloise, like, do you want to hold the baby? <laughs> That's her one line in the show, I think. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the actress has, like, other projects, so she's not, like, super available maybe, but... Uh, hopefully a little bit more so. Yeah, I think maybe like later on she'll be in more because she, if she's going to get a season, unless she isn't, um, she's going to need to have a presence on the show. But maybe she had COVID. Like maybe she was one of the actresses that had a really bad oh. case. I also don't foresee them not doing her season the way that it's meant to be because it's the angstiest book of all of them. Really? Is it really? So, so then I need to read it though. Yeah, because it's a, it, well, it's it's a season I don't know you would like, uh, Seth, oh. because she, her husband dies. And then, and then it's unrequited love from her, his cousin, her, her dead husband's cousin. Does she love her husband? Oh. Like that's a, that's their, their love story. Like he loved her from the start, but he never admitted it because his cousin was a great man and she loved him like really loved so him. so then yeah, yeah she really loved him but um i uh, know but it's there's a beautiful like, letter no. heck there's no. no there's a there's a beautiful letter in that book and like it uh, yeah i honestly think they should start her story then if she's supposed to have a husband that she loved like they should show well yeah she's supposed to, she's supposed to be married basically in the next book so they should really show her romance then and like make you actually feel his yeah. death and then you get to her season and then like they would you know, love that that's what i'm saying what, what are they doing? would love to to bring in the character and then kill him off like they, they can't yeah. do that because that's not her love interest like cash it in on that yeah what but are they i don't doing? know yeah. Anyways, back to episode Sorry, two, yeah. off to the races. <laughs> this is the episode where we have the uh, quote unquote poetry soiree, oh, where nobody yes. reads poetry. The talent show? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I literally called it a talent show. I was like, why are we at a talent show right now? Yeah. <laughs> and it's so awkward. And Lady Denbury's facial expression <laughs> priceless. <laughs> priceless. Um, and Anthony learns about it. He wasn't invited, of course, because Kate had a say in who was invited. Yeah. So he wasn't. His whole family was, but not him. Yeah. And so he goes to find Benedict. <laughs> and Benedict recites 
a poem like just like that <laughs> and i love that Anthony is literally the the embodiment of that meme that spongebob meme where it's like write that down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like write that down and then he leaves and goes to the the, the soiree and uh reads benedict's poem but then halfway through he can't do it he he can't because he stole it it's they're not his words he stumbles on the word honor yeah as he looks at kate well, he's that man is never not looking at Kate. I know. Let's get that out of the way. But I love that it was the word honor that he stumbled on because, like, he's mm. literally lying that this is his poem, and he's mm. just like, "Ah, oh, shit! I can't lie when I'm looking yeah. at her." Uh, but I do love that he seemed to be struggling with public speaking a little. Like, there's a couple times in the in the in the season when he's proposing or trying to propose, and then here, where he kind of stumbles a little bit, and he's not, like, the greatest public speaker. And I love that yeah. addition. I, I love it. I think that plays a part, but I also feel like for him, this scene and also the proposal, it's whenever he looks directly at Kate into her eyes, I mean, of course. like, I can't, yeah. I can't keep up this facade. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I can't lie and say this is my poem. I can't lie and propose to Edwina when that's not the woman I want right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Like, when emotions are high and, like, he's unsure of what, you know, he wants and he knows it's the wrong thing to do. But, like, I just love his little, like, stumbling over his words and not being, like, as confident as Anthony Bridgerton, you know, would like to seem. Yeah. Um, So, so, yeah. And there's a... some longing looks or maybe not longing looks but there's some like looks across the ballroom between those two there's some palpable in like intense looks how did you feel about um that scene where anthony goes to benedict and ben you got like a little insight into benedict's mind and like what he's feeling in his heart like how did you feel about like you know hearing benedict talk about love in that way and like how he kind of yearns for that type of love i feel like he had a lot of those moments this season a lot of cute, funny, I don't know. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm going to like his season. I me too. I honestly feel like he, st- like, stole the show sometimes. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I do think, I think this is important because this too is working towards establishing things for him. Yeah. Because I think his relationship with Sophie, while yes, it is that, like, all-encompassing, you know, uh, love that goes beyond the boundaries of society and class and blah 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 I think that relationship kind of brings him back to earth where it's like well you're running away from responsibility but you do have a duty to this woman and you have you have to be serious about one thing and it's this this woman you have to do the right thing here and I think that's a lesson that he definitely has to learn. And right now he's very much like enjoying life and, yeah. you know, partying and not being tethered to anything or anyone really. Um, so I think it's important because then he will be or he will want to be, but maybe not know how. So I do find his character arc in this season very interesting in the sense where like he kind of voices it, but like in a nonchalant way where he's like, what's my purpose i'm literally like the the spare air like i have no purpose what is my purpose and he's trying to find that and trying to find himself in all like these different directions that he's going and it's just like yeah benedict or or i think he does know what his purpose is but he's scared of acknowledging it or accepting that like you can be an artist if that's what you want to do do that you know like that's a thing i think colin is more lost as far as like what am i 
supposed to do i'm i'm the third son in a family like i'm literally useless as far as like this family you know hierarchy that we got going on like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm not the spare i'm like the extra extra spare like you know so so and and i do think for colin at least from my memories of like his book i do think he feels very lost as far as like well, what, what, what's the point of me? You know, what, what am I supposed to do? And, and he does touch upon that. I here. mean, what is the point of you? Even in this show, I don't care. I feel like Colin's character in this season. I'm like, I don't, like, I don't care. I just wanted to. I, see, maybe it was just me because I, I want to see Kate and Anthony. Like, no, I care. Yeah. I mean, I, I care. I think he's cute, but he's lost. He's young. Yeah. He's yeah, so okay, young fine. still. He is lost, and he seems to really gravitate towards this idea of Marina and, like, what they could have had. That I'm like, dude, it's the past. Move on. Let's, let's but I think, I think your, your uh, perception of him as kind of useless is good because it's his own it's his own real yeah. perception of himself. Yeah. He, he feels that way. Yeah. And he started, you know, saying that this season which he wasn't saying in the first season but he started saying that out loud now so i do think that that's in the works of like well what do you do what are you good for yeah um so so yeah this is the episode where lady danbury talks to kate about what it's like to actually be alone uh because you know she kind of you know, tells Lady Danbury, well, you know, you're my example. Like, aren't you content and happy as a widow? You know, she's an older widowed woman. Uh, she's as free as can be in this society. She is her own man. Um, and Kate kind of is like, well, aren't you happy in that situation? And and I love that late Lady Denbury turns that around and she's like, you're 26. <laughs> And you are choosing that life. I have loved. I have lost. I, I've i lived through all of that. So now, yes, I am happy in this position. And I appreciate the freedoms that it gives me. But you're 26. Like, this is a lonely, you know, place to be in. It's, it's you, you are so young. There's so much ahead of you. And yet you're already so ready to give that away because you don't really think you deserve it. Yeah. I loved that scene. I felt like it was so important because of, like, the way the camera shifted between the two because Kate kind of sees herself, like, as, you know, like, she could be Lady Danbury, like she said. Like, she could live that life. But, like, I love how Lady Danbury looked at her with, like, such confusion. And she's like, I lived a full life. Like, there's there's yeah. absolutely no way you can be me. You are not me. And it's just, like, for Kate to, like, see her, like, I even think at that scene, like, her hair was pulled back. She looked like she was, like, an older woman. But then you realize she's only 26. And, like, just yeah. that, that idea that she can live her life alone and, like, can see herself happy the way that Lady Danbury was. And, like, I just, I loved that scene in the sense where Lady Danbury put her in her place. And she's like, no, you'll, you're not me. You'll never be me because I had a full life. I lived. I loved. Like, like you said, she had a full life. Uh, the costume design is so good for Kate, especially her hair, how it progressively, you know, gets like flirtier, more feminine, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not so pulled back, so like strict and, you know, 
uh, as she's kind of discovering her own uh, desires and wants to be desired in return, her hair starts, you know, she has like little baby hairs and little like, you know, hair around her face. And then like, you know, by the end of the season, it's basically halfway down, which, you know, in the epilogue, which we're not there yet. but. Even her makeup, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like they did a really good job of like actually showing Kate in her different stages of life and like showing her with her different desires for life. Yeah, it did break me though when she tells Edwina like, oh, I'll be a governess and then like I'll dote on your your kids, you know, and I'll be the best on and and it broke me because you know that that's she wants her own kids you know that's like a lovely thing to say if you don't want your own kids yeah. and you, you're just like more than happy to you know love someone else's kids but for her you know that that's not what she wants so that was really sad because you know she deserves all the kids and she's gonna have all the kids so they have like what how many kids three four four kids? Four, four four yeah um all right so episode three of be in a bon in your bonnet this is <laughs> i have so many notes for this episode i was like this is never ending yeah that was me too <laughs> so much happens in this episode like yeah pal mal edmund oh. the beasting so much happens aubrey hall anyways uh do you want to briefly I don't even know where to start. Um, okay, well, let's start with the, the flashback. Okay. Edmund. Yeah. The first flashback. So, yeah, this this episode had a lot of flashbacks, but the first one is um, 10 years ago, we see little teenage Anthony, so he's about 18 here. Um, he's hunting with his father, Edmund, and he's clearly, like, an amazing father, you know, spends time with his son, teaches him how to hunt, teaches him how to, like, you know, do things that, you know, a father should um yeah he's giving him advice about life and then you also see like the pocket watch that uh anthony has carried since season one and um listen he holds the pocket watch in the exact same way that anthony does and there's a very clear shot showing that and it broke me yeah (laughs) and i was like oh because like we know what's coming obviously they they talked about it in the first season if you haven't read the books you know like you know he's gonna die um and then we see him you know sweetly you know, they're walking back to, like, the house, and they're picking flowers. Edmund sees some flowers, hyacinths, I believe, that uh, he knows his wife Violet would uh, would really enjoy. And so he's picking them, and he doesn't really notice the bee. But then the bee comes and stings him. At first, he's like, oh, shoot, like, I got stung. But then he slowly starts to not be able to breathe. And and you, you see Anthony kind of laughing and turning around because yeah. he's like, oh, haha. Yeah. And then his father's dying. Yeah. And then um, Violet kind of sees the whole thing happen. And he's like, Edmund's struggling to breathe. I don't know. It's just like so many things going on. And then, like, he sadly yeah. dies in Violet's arms while Anthony watches helplessly. That was a good change because in the book, if I remember correctly, uh, there's only Anthony present when he dies. I think Violet learns afterwards when Anthony like runs back to the the house yeah. being like father died. No, it was Eloise. It wasn't Anthony. You mean? Wasn't it Eloise that witnessed the like the father dying no. in the book? No, it's no no no, it's Anthony. Anthony is there watching his father die and he can't cope. Wasn't it like Anthony goes to the room and like he talks to his father as he's dying or no? I'm totally imagining that whole thing. I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe. 
I don't remember. Anyways, this is show. We're talking about show version. Anyways. Yeah. Well, please know that Edmund Bridgerton was such a good father. Yeah. He always wanted his kids, male or female, to, to have time with him, to spend time with them. He loved them equally. He didn't, you know, spend more time with Anthony just because he was the heir. And also, please know, it's not in the show, but please know that Edmund Bridgerton invented a baby carrier so that he could carry around his babies, okay? But he dies here, and it's the scene is so well done. Yes. The, the emotion, yeah. So heartbreaking. The way that Violet is screaming. And then the kids in the background. Yeah. And the kids in the back and how she, she tells him, like, go! You know, like, she's screaming, like, go! And, and Anthony's face. Oh, makes me sad. It was such a, like, defining traumatic event for everyone in that household. But, like, yeah. the way that it haunts Anthony and, like, the way that you actually finally see why it haunts him in that way amazingly done he's so shocked like you already see that he's he doesn't know how to process what's going on yeah uh then that switches back to them at aubrey hall yes present day awaiting their uh awaiting their uh visitors their special guests the sharmas uh we see daphne with her baby the baby is oh uh, baby Augie yeah what's is it August like is August the name or because why did he Augie is not the real name I hope oh, they didn't <laughs> they never said the full name so I don't know I think maybe it's August I don't know I or Augustus or I don't know <laughs> Augustine because <laughs> because it's a female in the book so they switched that to male so I don't know I don't know what name they're going for. And that's the scene where Francesca is like, do you want to come see the baby? And Eloise is like, has it changed? <laughs> I fucking love Eloise. <laughs> I'm like, so re- relatable. Like, has the baby changed? No, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to see it. Like, what's the point? <laughs> um, so they arrive at Aubrey Hall, the Sharmas. And please note that the first person Anthony Bridgerton goes to is Miss kate sharma he doesn't even think about going to edwina and i love okay when the carriage pulls up the first person he lo- like not locks eyes with but looks at is kate and he sees her smile and he smiles mm-hmm. and i'm like he walks straight Ugh. to her he his t- his thoughts are not even yeah. of edwina like he kind of forgot she was even there but wait wait we totally didn't even talk about it but basically he oh. tells daphne about like you know the sharma sisters and how he's courting edwina True. and like the annoying sister just like she's always in the way so we got gotta like you know make sure that she likes me like likes you know accepts this anyways Uh continue and then uh so he goes straight to kate uh he tells kate like oh you were smiling and she was like yeah i would i was admiring the view which you are blocking (laughs) uh meets newton newton we didn't even talk about newton in episode one yeah newton is not impressed to say the least uh and he tells her by the end of your stay i will have changed your opinion of me and then he turns to the dog and he says him too uh and then daphne goes to them and and she's like oh so you must be edwina sharma (laughs) and anthony's like no and that's the moment where daphne is like 
something's going on yeah. here. <laughs> but I also love that, like, Daphne, she just noticed Kate, and she didn't even, like, go say hi to Edwina. I don't know if that was just, like, maybe they cut a scene or something, but she didn't even look at Edwina, and I'm like, Daphne! <laughs> she clearly knows. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's clearly like, well, who else could my brother be talking to than the woman he's courting? <laughs> <laughs> no, the sister. The it. sister. Uh, anyway, it had me rolling. Yeah, uh, rolling it was amazing. Um, so then we get the second flashback where everyone, so you hear or and see uh, Violet uh, on the staircase, like absolutely losing her mind. Like she's hysterical. Yeah. She's crying. She, she doesn't know what to do. The kids are kind of all like, they don't know what to do. And then the staff is kind of piling on top of Anthony you know, asking this and this and that of him and, you know, these new expectations and, you know, your Viscount Bridgerton now, like, what do you want us to do with the body, blah, blah, blah. And you just see, he, I don't even think he says anything or maybe like one line. But besides that, it's really just like a focus on his face. And you see how already he's so lost and in despair, but he's not like that's the moment where it cements for him like I'm not allowed to process this there's no time yeah. I need to fill these shoes I need to take up this position and become the man of the house because there's so much that's asked of me all of a sudden so it's so brilliantly done I love the flashbacks Agreed. So and much. I feel like like you said it's he didn't even have the moment to process the grief like this is an 18 year old child a boy and he is like expected to make decisions on like when's the funeral gonna happen how is he gonna be buried like we have to pay this bill yeah. we have to do this and this and this and like he's still with tears in his eyes like he just died like he's still fresh fresh in the exactly. garden his, he just witnessed his father like his yeah. this, this monumental figure in his life die from a bee sting and he hasn't even like dealt with that yet he is like forced he's no longer the big brother he's no longer like allowed to be like a son he is now the guardian of his siblings and his own mother he also is the head of household and he has to make all these big decisions at only 18 years of age and it's just like it's just so sad because it's heavy he's only 18 like surely that's something that every kid back then knew if you're the heir but it's it must be different to actually realize that now you're in charge of everything mm -hmm. and that you're like you said like perfectly said you are no longer a son yeah your mom you have control over even her yeah. and your mom is unable to mother you anymore like she can't mother you anymore uh, you have to you have to step up yeah it must be a shock I mean, I, I think it's clear that it is. Um, but yeah. So we jump from that <laughs> to Powmouth. I know. Like the <laughs> ultimate like the ultimate low to the ultimate high. The one scene we were dying for. Did you girls cry? I was crying on that scene. Those flashbacks. I was like in fucking tears, sobbing. Oh, yeah. And then the next fucking two minutes, I'm like laughing my ass off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was a hectic episode. Whip whiplash, whiplash. Uh, Palmau, of course, they included that. They couldn't have not included that. Palmau. That's a good scene. As it is in the book. It's a very, uh, uh, it's, it's very close to how it is yeah. in the book. Minus sign. They, they really took the scene, like, as is. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, how could they not anyway? Like, that scene was written for TV. Yeah. So. I loved it. 
<laughs> but yeah, so Daphne is explaining the the rules to the Sharma sisters mm-hmm. right away. Edwina is like, I don't, I don't know about this game, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and Kate is like progressively getting more and more yeah. excited. I almost was like, wait, to confirm, you like you you hit the other players' balls like that. That's we can do yeah. that. And you like, play your opponent. Yeah, you like... don't play the game. You play the opponent. <laughs> I know. And uh, Daphne, Daphne is like going through the strategies of every one of her siblings. But then when she gets to her, she's like, me, of course, I'm in a mystery and I will not reveal my secrets. <laughs> Uh, but then they start playing. Oh, well, first off, we get to picking your mallet, <laughs> which, of course, uh, Edwina goes for blue and Kate, Kate goes for black, yes. not knowing what it means. And then right away, Colin is like, oh, my God, <laughs> I think it's Colin that says, like, last time I tried to pick the, the black mm-hmm. mallet, you almost tried to you, you threatened to kill me. And then he's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. He's like pretending that, like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> And you can see the anger on his face. And he's like, no, it's fine. Yeah, And I love that there's like a beat of silence. And then everyone like rushes to grab a mallet. <laughs> like sibling, sibling behavior. I loved it. They leave the pink one behind. Yeah. Anthony is left with a pink. Uh, I I love, I love Anthony and Kate. But I specifically love Anthony's facial expressions yeah. in this scene. He's. Like every time he claps, <laughs> I know he's like a like sarcastic yeah. little clap. He's just like angry clapping. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the game starts and it becomes very obvious very quickly uh, to Edwina that this is not a game. No, it's a war. <laughs> this couldn't be further from a game. It's a war. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kate is loving it. Uh, she's fully embracing the Bridgerton spirit of uh, no sportsmanship whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, and she has the opportunity to, um, you know, throw, uh, Antony's ball very, very far away. Yes. Which she does because she's playing her, op- her opponent as she should. Um, Antony is pretending like that doesn't bother him. Edwina's, Edwina takes a shot. She misses. And then she's like, well, I guess like maybe I should hop out. You know, maybe that was the time to... No, because she's like, I'm not going to go in the forest and probably get dirty to get my ball. Boring. <laughs> A little boring, yeah. yeah. And then it's Colin's turn. Yeah, well, Anthony first, he goes with Edwina and he's like, oh, well, maybe I... Do you want me to, like, hop out too? I, you know, he's trying to be a gentleman here, whatever. And Edwina's like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I'll just uh, go talk to the mothers. I'm like the boring person that I am. Um, so Anthony goes back and Colin takes the shot. And yeah. basically Kate's ball ends up exactly where Anthony's ball is. And then someone is like, well, do you guys, like, are you guys done? And both of them are like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, was that like on purpose on Colin and Benedict's behalf? Because those two were giggling the whole time. I think Colin did it on purpose. I think he hit her ball exactly where he wanted it to go. Because Colin Bridgerton, in the novel anyway, he is a matchmaking little conniving boy. Okay? Yeah. I think this was an, a, like a nod to that where he totally hit yeah. her ball where he knew Anthony's was. I just, like, I loved Colin and, like, Benedict in yeah. this scene particularly because of, like, you can tell they're, like, little, like, Giggling. they're scheming yeah. behind the scenes. They're laughing behind Anthony's back. They're laughing, like, 
They're just so great. I love them. <laughs> yeah. So Anthony and Kate go to retrieve their ball. And they find it in a pit of mud. And this was an addition yes. that I absolutely love. I yes, love it. Same. I love that Kate is like, well, we could just like take them and take them out. And Anthony's like, no, I would know. <laughs> and you would use it against me? Right. Yeah. So so <laughs> she hikes up her, her skirts and she's like, I, I guess we're going in the mud then. And her slippers were so nice. I was like, girl, <laughs> take them off at least. Uh, so she goes straight into the mud and uh, so does he. They get their balls out, but then she gets, well, they get their balls out. That sounded so bad. <laughs> um, but she gets stuck in the mud. And then Anthony tries to help her out of the mud, but then they both fall into the mud. But he's exasperated. He's like, oh, fine. I guess I'll help you. I love that she's stuck. And then he, this idiot just looks at her and he's like, well, just, just unstuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how dumb are you? She's like, I'm stuck. What do you want me to do? Anyway, so they both fall right into the mud. And at first he's like, don't you dare laugh. <laughs> <laughs> which is such an Anthony thing to say and then of course they both end up laughing and, and it have so this cute. little moment yeah this moment of like understanding and then he's like can we have a truce she seems willing to you know yeah. contemplate a truce with him but then what happens she hits her ball in his a ball. direction it's his ball oh Oh, it's his yeah, ball. she's like, oh, okay. oh, I'm not letting you win. So she hits right. his ball. Yeah, again, she hits his ball in a direction, and then he looks at where it is, and he just storms off. And she's like, well, what the hell? And then she walks and walks, and she gets there to where the balls were, and um, she sees that it's Edmund's resting place. Yeah. That his dad. That's where his dad's body is. The past comes back to haunt him, and that's when we get the third flashback oh this flashback this flashback <laughs> that that was the hardest one to watch for sure oh, i was crying violet is trying to give birth but there are complications uh so anthony is called by uh the doctor and it is traumatizing to say yeah. the least to watch it it was one thing to I think it's mentioned in the book, like, just briefly that the the labor was very difficult, there were complications, blah, 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 but I don't think it goes as much in depth. Definitely not, like, the whole, the doctor actually asks Antony, like, what do I do? Uh, so that yeah. was an amazing addition, like, the emotion is mm -hmm. so strong here, and as a woman watching that, it's difficult to see Violet's anguish, and, you know, she's screaming, like this is my son like how dare you ask my son what to do with me this is my life my body my baby like i will choose and decide what happens here but the doctor is like relentless in asking antony instead because he's the man of the house like literally yeah, yeah. his decisions over his mother's body prevail over hers that is messed it's so sad up messed up and it's just like he doesn't probably even like understand fully what's going on either yeah. oh no yeah um, and 
it's just so sad. Like, she actually has no rights at that point until Anthony is like, no, do whatever she wants because he is, like, he's not allowed to, like, panic or, like, have, like, some sort of, like, emotional reaction to what's going on. Like, he is literally, like, on the cusp of a panic attack. Yeah. But he can't let himself reach there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, like, such an awful scene to have, like, a child be forced to make that decision as well. Like, Also have a mother be forced to plead with her son to let her have autonomy yeah. over her own body. Not that he didn't want to. He's just so in shock that he doesn't know what to do. But, like... Yeah. She's screaming out, like, no, the Viscount is Edmund. Like, Edmund would let me yeah. choose for myself, blah, blah, blah. Like, it is traumatizing. Yeah. It really is. And it's not only that, too, because, like, let's keep in mind, like, Edmund probably just died, like, earlier that day. And, like, the stress of that made the baby come maybe sooner. I don't know what happened. But it's just, like, yeah. she, as a woman, as a wife, as a lover, is not able to even fully grieve you know, her husband. She's faced with this idea now that, you know, she made this plan to walk this life with this man and now she has seven kids, the eighth one's on the way and now she's, like, forced to, like, live a life without her support system and, like, her man. And it's just, like, imagine living with that and also delivering a child that you thought you'd be raising with your husband. He's nowhere to be seen now because, sadly, he died. Like, imagine as a woman, like, going through that and, like, also, like you said, having your son make these decisions for her that he has no idea or no, like, he does not know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and the decision is literally, like, do you, who do I save? The baby and let the yeah. mother die? Or do I save the mother and let the baby die? You're asking that of a 19-year-old boy who yeah. doesn't know shit. And then this cuts to a shot that, it's kind of a quick shot, but I think it's very heavy in meaning. It's a shot of Antony in his office staring up at his father's painting and it's a yeah. shot from above so you're actually yeah. looking from Edmund's perspective kind of at, at Antony and he looks so small because of how they position yeah. the camera he looks so small like that child that's still lost is inside him like grieving still exactly how I felt when I saw that scene because like it's the way he's standing too it's like he look like yeah. he's not like very childlike he, yeah very childlike he has zero confidence in that moment his like his shoulders are like rolled in a bit and it's just like and this is present yeah. day Anthony so it shows you that that boy is still very much in him like he's he's in that moment he's he's feeling distressed because even up until that point at 29 years yeah. old he still hasn't grieved his father he wasn't allowed to like close that chapter in his life he's still very much like feeling that pain it's still in him yeah but then at the same time it kind of emphasizes just how much he looks up to his father that like his father yeah. is not just like it's not just looking up like he looks huge you know like larger than life type of thing yeah. to Anthony in that shot that it's a standard that he can't ever reach that's that's what that yeah. scene shows you it's like no he knows he'll never be his father look at him he's this tiny little boy looking up at his father lost it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a short scene. There's no words said, but it's, I think it's a very important scene, and that was really well done on the part of Agreed. of the showmakers here. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel about like the placements of the flashbacks, like in this oh, episode? Great. <laughs> like mm -hmm. S said, crying one minute, laughing the next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I love it because it's a very Bridgerton heavy episode as should all episodes be, but that's not the case in this season. Um, I agree. But this was a very Bridgerton-heavy episode where you really 
we really dive into present day Bridgerton, but also how did the Bridgertons get where they are now? They're at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is a story that we've been waiting for since season one. I mean, we know, but you know, viewers that are that are not familiar with the series, they they never got that story, you know. So I'm sure they were yeah. anticipating, you know, finally knowing what happened to the father and why is Antony the way that he is. Yeah. Uh they did an amazing job. I really, really love these flashbacks. Um I yeah, I think the flashbacks were really well done and like they were placed into this episode really well. Uh we also get that funny shot of Lady Danbury and Violet eavesdropping. Oh yeah. <laughs> they oh, were yeah. so funny. <laughs> I love their little moments together. Yeah, throughout the and season. I love how Eloise just comes in and she's like, uh, "Do I even want to know why you guys are looking at right. each other and grinning?" Yeah, <laughs> they 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 look like teenage girls again. I love yeah. that. Um, this is also when we get Benedict getting high as a kite. <laughs> My boy Benedict was so nervous about getting into like this art royal school. academy yeah. for art or whatever, yeah. Yeah. and like <laughs> Colin brought back something i love that colin is like oh when i you know took this back in greece i contemplated a blade of uh is it it a blade of grass or something for like hours (laughs) and right away benedict is like i'm i'm gonna take the whole thing then (laughs) yeah and he dumps it all he's like i need inspiration (laughs) (laughs) that scene so funny was so good (laughs) it's his expression yeah yeah he was high as a kite, and his like comedic timing amazing. in that Perfect. dinner, yeah, amazing. And like he's eating his food, like um, mm, oh my god, mm. <laughs> like these lights look like these candles look like starlight, and like stars. He's like, we're having dinner amongst the stars. <laughs> yeah, and then Eloise is like, tell me more. Like she is so like she's dying. It's such a great scene. Anyways, at this dinner, um. We, we get the Sharmas and the Bridgertons and Lady Danbury. They're all there having dinner. And um, this is, you know, after talking to Daphne, Anthony is like, yeah, I'm going to uh, – was, was it after talking to Daphne? I don't remember. But anyways, at this dinner, he is intent on proposing to Edwina. And um, he decides to, you know, make a toast and do just that until he looks at Kate and he fumbles it. And changes the subject altogether. Mm. Yeah. Well, he's looking at Kate through the whole dinner, and I love that you see Daphne looking at Kate, looking at Anthony, looking <laughs> back at Kate, looking back at Anthony, because she's noticing that they're only looking at each other, and she's like, yeah. "Huh." <laughs> yeah. Love it. So we get like a little hint at uh, a potential Kate and Eloise friendship here. I, I love the decision of having Eloise ask Kate. Because, you know, Kate asked Lady Denbury about being, yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? A spinster. A spinster, thank you. And then Eloise goes to Kate and asks the same thing. Um, and basically, you know, yeah. what Kate says is that, you know, it's not as easy as it seems, you know, you're kind of on the outskirts of society, you know, uh, looked down upon a little bit. I wish something that was missing for me in that conversation is I really wish Kate had said something to Eloise about how lonely 
it is too i get why it was like more oh well it's 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 society's problem that this is how it is you know it's society's fault that we're viewed as being on the outskirts just because we're past a certain age which i get the point i understand the point i like the point but i also would have liked for kate to maybe pass it on to eloise that like maybe it's a little lonely too you know the way that I um, interpreted that scene, yes, yeah, the whole, like, comment about society. But I also saw it as, like, Kate has always been about Edwina, so maybe she's not letting herself face, like, what loneliness would be like without Edwina. And also, she tends to hide a lot of things. So maybe she's just, like, yeah, she feels lonely, but she will never voice that. Yeah. yeah. She'll never voice that to anyone else, especially to someone that she doesn't really talk to, like Eloise. Yeah, so Antony visits his father's grave, which brings us to the final flashback. And that scene also crushed my also soul. Also crushed my soul. Honestly, Ruth, the the actress who plays Violet, she outdid herself in this episode. Yeah, like, she did. I mean, yeah. she's amazing. Period. Like, I fully believe her character, like all the time. But here in particular, like acting out those emotions, so. Like, it was so believable. I felt like I was there and I was crying out with her, you know? Yeah. And then it kind of, didn't it kind of, because I remember I didn't really like her in the first season. So it kind of had me uh, be more understanding of her and her situation. And there's a lacking with her children, Mm. conversations that weren't had. Yes. I really appreciated her this season. I think it highlighted how she's not perfect. She's trying and how hard it is to try in certain yeah. at certain points for her like yeah. i love that it touches upon how she's not able to be a mother in that moment mm-hmm. when she's grieving edmund she's she's having trouble seeing her child her newborn yeah. child it's there's it's difficult for her she doesn't want to mother in that moment she doesn't want to see her kids or go to you know dinner with them or whatnot like she's it's such an important thing to see yeah for a mother specifically because we're always led to believe that mothers should put their kids first no matter what and that you know the love for your kids should like outweigh everything else and that you should be happy because you have all these kids and like whatever move on move forward you have to stay strong for everyone so to see a mother who's not able to do that she's depressed doesn't want to see her kids it's amazing i really commend them for for that i agree as well i think that scene was really important in like seeing a woman's grief but like in that moment she disregarded anthony as her child and she tells him things that like a child would never want to know like her mom literally said i i wish this baby had killed me yeah so that i wouldn't be faced with like living a life without my husband whereas you're talking to your child you're telling your child this who still very much needs needs his mom, but he can't voice that because of his position now. But it's just, like, he had to hear his mom say that and also, like, see the grief of, like, what that love did to her. And, of course, like, you would be, a, like, you would be afraid of love. You would not want love anywhere near you um, because of, like, what you saw. So, yeah. I just thought that was, like, really sad to see. Yeah. It kind of uh, shows you, without being too obvious, that he really did not have the time to grieve because his mother was absent. You know, she was alive, but she was absent for some time afterwards. So he did have to take up the role of both the mother and the father for some time. Yeah. Um, 
Plus, I do love that scene because you also get quickly after Violet, present day Violet, and how she yes. has found joy in life again. She has, you know, pushed through and, and you know, managed to survive and, and find joy in being a mother to her kids again and moved on without, you know, found, found the strength to move on without Edmund in her life. So mm -hmm. the contrast is also really nice. Yeah. And I loved in that moment, like, like you said, Anthony goes to visit that grave and like Violet's there with fresh flowers. And it's like, kind of like her removing the, the dead flowers is like kind of removing like those cobwebs or like those, like that heaviness that she had felt at that time in that flashback. And like, you see the new flowers. And I also loved in that moment where she tells Anthony, like, you know, love isn't a weakness. And, you know, like you lost your smile, you lost your lightness. And I, I want you to like, you know, be able to like know that love isn't a weakness. It's actually a strength. And I love that he voiced in that moment that he vows to never subject a woman to what she went through because she was never she wasn't there. She was just vacant. And like that traumatized him so much so yeah. that he does not want love in his marriage. You know what else I noticed? And I'd noticed this the second time around and it breaks me is she says in that flashback, that fourth flashback, she says that Edmund was the air that she was breathing and that now that he's yeah. gone, there's no air. Yeah. And then yeah. throughout the season, there's so much emphasis on breathing when Kate and Anthony yes. are together. And then... He, he literally tells her that you're the reason why I breathe. So, yeah. so it all comes together. Like he remembered that from when he was 19 year old, years old, when his mother described her love for Edmund in that way. And he took that in and then he's, you know, repeating it to Kate because now he, under he understands that feeling. So I, yes. I, I, I've seen some people criticize, like, the fact that there's so much breathing when they're together, but I actually love it, and I love it more. I love it more now, to, now that I realized that connection from beginning to end. Yeah, I didn't make that connection either, like, at the end, like, I think it was episode seven, where he tells Kate, like, I find myself breathing for you, yeah. and then mm -hmm. I'm like, damn, now it actually makes sense, like, just the idea like he finally understands where his mom was at 10 years ago and like of course like watching that never being in love you're like I, I like you're grieving yeah your husband died but it's like you don't understand how detrimental that was for her I loved it the flashbacks are so good he, he knows what it looks like when there's no air and he doesn't want to, he, he realizes yeah. he doesn't want that but anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves <laughs> yeah we're getting ahead uh... <laughs> uh blah 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 yeah so you mentioned the whole conversation with uh violet on the bench uh antony chickens out of proposing to edwina this is when it happens yes and then edwina was like oh my gosh what's wrong with me why didn't you propose and kate's like it's okay you'll find another suitor here comes the controversial changes change number one edwina Starts having feelings for Anthony Bridgerton here. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> she's so naive, though. Like, can you blame her? I feel like she's very sheltered. Like, her family... Well, Kate... I guess Kate and the mom, like, they sheltered her. So, her believing that she was in love with Anthony... Like, I mean, I don't blame her. 
What I don't understand is that they explained the change in her character as them wanting to flesh out her character and make her more mature. What it did is the exact opposite for me. It made her more childish. Uh, Because in the books, what was in the book, sorry, there's only one. (laughs) What's so great about Edwina is that she's mature enough that she sees right away that Kate and Antony have something. Not necessarily love, but she sees that there's something and she backs off. And she is the one that called it out. Yeah, she's the first one to be like, there's something going on here. And she's like, I will let my sister have that. Whereas here, Edwina instead is like, starts having feelings for Antony, is completely oblivious, and then calls Kate yeah. selfish. <laughs> so, oh. it was a choice. Anyways, it was a choice. Where, yeah, where I was going with that, yeah. um, sorry, is Edwina, like, I think it was on purpose, and I felt like maybe, like, it wasn't as, like, in your face as I thought it was. But, like, for me, at least, I felt like Edwina kept emphasizing Viscountess. Like, I'm going to be his Viscountess. So I think it's, like, she was in love with, like, the idea of him and the position that she could have with him. And it's not like she was, like, a gold digger or anything. I think it was just, like, the like the way that she was trained that, like, the higher you are in society, the more successful you are. So I think she was in love with, like, what he could give her and, like, that she could be a Viscountess. Not that she was in love with Anthony Bridget. But also she knows nothing about him. She doesn't know him. She she literally doesn't know him. It's like puppy love to her. Like she, yeah. th- they made her more childish, which she wasn't. This is how I read it. I don't think it was that she was in love with Anthony. Like I said, it was because she literally mentioned Viscountess or being his Viscountess like three, four times. Well, later on, I think she does truly believe herself in love with him, which is funny because when this is another episode later on, but you know, at some point, she she asks him, like, oh, what, what like, how do you see me? And he's like, oh, I, yeah. I empathize with you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess maybe at this point, episode three, she still, like you said, sees, like, the, the, she's like, I want this house. I want this family. I want, you know, it's very much like, I want, I want, I want. Yeah. And not, like, it doesn't really have anything to do with Antony besides what he can offer her. You know, what he represents, like you said. But I do think it changes. But what does it stand upon? I don't know, because she doesn't know him. She doesn't know Mm -hmm. him. So, anyways. Bitter about that. Bitter about that. Not gonna lie. Hated it. I hated that inclusion. A hundred and, like, 40,000% hated it. Then Carlin asks Eloise if she's heard about Marina. This is an interesting thing. Because... He asks, have you heard about her? Don't you ladies, like, write to each other? And that got me thinking, is this a hint for the future? Because how Sir Philip with Love begins is that Eloise was corresponding with Marina. Then Marina dies, I think, and she writes to her husband and then they start having this thing, I think. So I wonder if, because at first Eloise is like, why would I write to Marina? So I'm wondering if they were trying to, like, add in a little something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, just my, my final note for the episode was, wow, <laughs> episode three is a huge episode. 
<laughs> um also hello bee sting. oh bee sting oh my god uh where are you going <laughs> bee sting yeah. that too wow i guess it had no it had no impact on the, the, the story whatsoever um but let's go well let's discuss the changes so that's, that's where the changes really got got to go um got going so basically kate is out riding uh at dawn which she should not be doing but she's doing it once again and when she comes back to Aubrey Hall, she finds Antony, who is very obviously there to try to convince her at last to propose, to, to allow her, or allow him to propose to his her sister. And this man mentioned, like, feelings. Like, my feelings will not allow for me to speak. Yeah, and she calls him out. She's, <laughs> she's like, what feelings? The feelings that you, I heard you say you didn't want? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, she's basically insulting him and you just see him looking at her and then there's this, like, bee and you see how his whole face changes and the bee lands on her uh, little jacket first and she tries to, like, swipe it away and he fucking panics. He's like, don't move, damn it. And uh, then the bee stings her and instead of putting his lips to her bosom... Uh, suck it out. Kate, <laughs> Kate grabs his hand and puts his hand on her bosom to, I guess, show him that she's still alive. Because <laughs> my man was panicking. Yeah. yeah, because he's having a full out panic attack. Yeah. And then they kind of have like this moment where she's touching his chest, he's touching touching hers. They get really close. Because she's trying to like calm him down. And... Yeah, she's like, I'm okay, yeah. I'm okay. And um, they almost kiss and then they get interrupted. Because Anthony is like, I'm feeling her titty. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like next to her neck. That is not your titty, but you know. But, like, no, it was, like, I don't know why I'm trying to uh, demonstrate it, but, like, it was literally, like, it, like, it was there. I mean, you know, it was, was like, but anyways, yeah. it wasn't, like, that close to her boobies. No, but he, like, yeah, you feel the sexual tension. Like, like the moment changed, like, in a snap, and, yeah. like, you saw it. You felt it. But I do, I do love that he's having a panic attack, and Kate is immediately understands the situation like immediately yeah. puts aside their like animosity and she's just trying to calm him down because she's under she understands that like he needs that uh they do not get caught no lips were applied to any uh body parts and uh they separate and both of them go and hide and uh basically are really horny and like <laughs> questioning <laughs> what just happened <laughs> but yeah. actually Actually, Kate is kind of like, oh, my God. But Anthony is actually crying. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I just felt like Jonathan Bailey's portrayal here of, like, Anthony's fear mm -hmm. was amazing. It was just, like, so raw and so real. And, like, the way he portrayed, like, this panic attack, amazing. Yeah. Like, top points. Give him all the awards. Like, this scene was, like, life-changing. I loved it. Of course, it didn't happen the way it happened in the books, but, like, I think the acting in this scene... Yeah. Amazing. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. They they obviously didn't want to go with them getting caught, so they tried to do Again, something else, yeah. something a little different, while still giving that scene to the readers, the book readers, because they knew that that's, like, you know, 
iconic of the Viscount who loved me, it wouldn't be Kate and Antony's story without the bee sting. You know, like that's she has to be stung by a bee at some point for but yeah. it's not like the moment where his life flashes before his eyes type of thing because they're not like I mean I think he has feelings for her at that point but he's it's mostly just seeing someone being stung like that's that really shooks it shooks it well shakes him to his core shooks him shakes him I don't care anyways I'm losing it <laughs> um I'm also losing my voice already <laughs> I know right um. finally episode four victory short sweet Little title, Victory. What happens in this episode? Um, so really quickly, um, Edwina, Edwina, I always say her name wrong. Edwina believes the reason why Anthony hasn't proposed to her yet is because of the hatred or like animosity between him and Kate. And she makes it her mission, stupidly, to get yeah. uh, Kate and Anthony to like each other. And to- <laughs> you did it to yourself, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so she tells her sister to, to win his affection or like, you know. She literally says, make him love you. We need him to fall in love with you. Yeah, she said, make him love you. Yeah. <laughs> you did um, it to yourself. Okay. <laughs> so um, they are sitting and um, Anthony obviously is there and he tells her <laughs> that they're going hunting. He calls him out because uh, Edwina is like, why don't you go with him, Kate? First like, off, Kate yeah. appears, and then Edwina is like, oh, did, have you heard that Kate got stung by a bee? Oh, yes. And Kate is like, yeah, I got stung. <laughs> and Anthony's like, and he's ah. Like, ah. And then she's like, I'm fine, though. And he's like, ah. <laughs> I know, his ah, his second ah was, like, so soft. The awkwardness in this scene was stunning. Stellar, okay, like no, so no, no. Good. It's the change of intonation yeah, and the too. softness of his second awe, where he's like, "Damn, okay, she's actually all right. She didn't die overnight." But it's it's also an awkward awe, like like they're both pretending that they they weren't both yeah. present when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you said, uh, Edwina is trying to convince Antony to take uh, Kate on this hunt. And I fucking, I think it's like kind of an, probably an underrated Kathany or Kenthony apparently is what we're saying now, Kenthony scene. But I love it. I rewatched this exchange probably 10 or 15 times in a row. I love their acting. Like, Anthony is so good here. Like, I think Edwina says, like, oh, Kate is an excellent shot. And the way Anthony says, of course she is, with like rolling his eyes and stuff. Like, just, they are so good here. And, like, his smile and laugh. It's so good. And I love that Benedict comes in. Like, Benedict comes in, and he's, like, a little instigator, too. And then, Benedict is just smiling um, in the back, like, <laughs> enjoying. Enjoying this back and forth. I love it. Um, so Kate is like, okay, fine, sure, I'll go. But then, like, Anthony is all like, uh, no, actually don't. And the whole, like, I, like, this argument of, like, it's because I'm a woman, you don't want me to go. And He's like, no, no. <laughs> That's yeah. not that. I didn't say that. When did I say that? <laughs> but he did, like, uh, somehow allude to it. And then, like, Kate's like, oh, my gosh. But his <laughs> smile, his condescending little patronizing smile. And he's like, women do not hunt. <laughs> he's laughing. <Yeah. laughs> like, he got one on her. <laughs> I love it. And then Kate's like, no, I do. They're so I'm being going. so petty and competitive here. And this is, this is 
Kate and Anthony. Like, I don't care what anyone yeah. else says. I don't care what the, the angry book fans say at the moment online about this series, this season. This is Kate and Anthony, and you cannot... No, they are. And otherwise. I feel like uh, Jonathan Bailey and Simone, like we've said, Simone Ashley, like, they really embodied Kate and Anthony. They were Kate and Anthony. That's not an argument here, for like, at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, for sure. Like, you would like to see the story go in the way that the book went because that book was actually really amazing and I loved it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But they are Kate and Anthony. Then Plant Daddy makes his entrance. <laughs> A.K.A. Philip. <laughs> Can I uh, read my notes word for word what I have here? Yeah, go ahead. Also, plant husband has all rights and she doesn't deserve this pure boy. Die, bitch, die. <laughs> She's so mean. She's so cold. She really is. He's such a nice man. Yeah. You can tell he's genuine. Yeah. I mean, he just wants to talk about his plant. He's so yeah. excited. To hear that that Colin has been to Greece and that he wants to talk about plants, and then and then he cracks like an olive, Joe Colin. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh God! But no, I loved yeah. him. I loved Philip in that little scene we got. I don't know what he's like as a husband, as a father. I don't know, but I just like I loved that moment because it really showed you like. He is so unhappy and like he actually doesn't know what genuine love is and I don't think he ever will. And he's very much trying like he is trying but it's on her end. I think she says like oh I'm content or whatever but she says that really meanly you know you kind of get the the sense that like she's not she's like staying staying in this relationship because he's a good father and you know he lets her do whatever she wants. She doesn't really have a choice. Yeah but. But you get the point that you get the sense that there's no love between them, no real affection, at least on on her end. You know, like I think he he likes her. He tries to, you know, make her feel welcomed and, you know, appreciated and stuff. I think but... he was trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's not that he had like affection for her, I think. But like on her side, obviously, in her perspective, we saw her in season one. She was very much in love with this one man that she got pregnant for. And then she finds out that he ultimately died. And imagine like kind of being forced to marry the man that you loved, his brother. Like you're marrying his brother, who is nothing like him. Obviously, he probably pales in comparison because she has like she has that idea of his brother in her head. And it's like she's not making she's not trying to make the best out of the situation because, you know, she's been burned in the past. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people online say like, oh, well, she's obviously not suffering from postpartum depression, which I think is actually really funny because that just shows to me you don't know what depression looks like. It can look like someone who's putting up a front and it can look like someone who's very angry, a.k.a. just look at Nesta, Nesta from A Court of Soul I was just thinking about Nesta as soon as you said that. Depression looks different on everyone and Mm -hmm. she could very well be you know telling Colin like I'm content here everything's fine but deep down she's drowning so mm-hmm. uh, I think it's funny that people are like oh she's not she doesn't she's clearly not depressed well that that's still to be you know discovered because I'm not sure that that's true yeah and can I just say really quickly before we move on to like the Bridgerton uh-huh. but like Chris Fulton looked real cute in his one scene Girl, I I saw that you added Sir to Sir Philip with love on Goodreads. I saw that. I did. I'm I'm gonna read it for that man, that one plant daddy. 
plant daddy uh yeah there's a there's a sex scene in a uh conservatory conservatory or is it is it a uh, like um uh, a greenhouse a greenhouse yeah i think it's a greenhouse plant daddy do be daddying in the plants so anyways (laughs) interesting uh then uh switching back to horny anthony uh getting a peek at uh kate's leg kate oh yeah (laughs) why did she hike up her skirt so damn high man she did it on purpose it was on purpose right yeah i know (laughs) come on my man is left without words <laughs> he's like stumbling over his next sentence like he doesn't know what words are anymore <laughs> it was just such a great scene because like yeah it just like he he really tries to not look at her though after he saw the leg he's like holy shit just, yeah. and then they find uh themselves because kate is like i this hunt is shit you guys you guys don't know what you're doing clearly so i'm just gonna go off separately uh and she does and Antony finds her in the woods, and he's like, "You can't go off with a gun like that." <laughs> uh, which, fair enough. Like, you definitely shouldn't do that, just in case what you're shooting is actually uh, an, a fellow human being. <laughs> you don't yeah. know that. You know, they're talking about the the bee sting. You know, they're addressing it, and both of them is like, "You looked at me. You looked at me first. What do you mean I looked at you? I never looked at you. You were looking at me like." something and then he was like how would d- you mean i was looking at you you know blah blah blah. how did i look at you then? Yeah. tell me <laughs> i love no, and i loved the scene where he like literally took liberties because he's like you're not shooting it right and then he literally like you know holds her clothes takes the big old sniff he's been doing like he literally <laughs> sniffing like, her up this yeah. man is so animalistic yeah. i love it and he's gone again for her scent until you know they get interrupted again and that's that's the end of that scene, but that was glorious. <laughs> I I really I really loved their exchange. Their banter in this episode was particularly good for me. Mm-hmm. Um then well I mean this is kind of this is the episode I would say where we start seeing that Kate and Anthony have developed feelings of some kind. Perhaps not love yet, but definitely like yeah. something is a brewing between the mm-hmm. two of them. And I think they both start realizing it as well. Yes. Uh, especially Agreed. when Kate goes back to her room after the hunt, you can start feeling that she's, you start seeing that she's feeling a little guilty mm-hmm. uh, around mm-hmm. Edwina. Um, so much so that she uh, doesn't go out of her room for a couple of days. <laughs> she's <laughs> like, this was too much horniness for me. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Need to process. But also... <laughs> Um, that night, the hunting night, they, she couldn't sleep. It was so right. much warming, And then she goes to the library and he also couldn't sleep and he goes to the library and where I was a bit peeved, I mean, a lot of people were um, very angry yeah. about this is that the library scene did not happen. It happened and it didn't happen. Her trauma was disregarded. Her trauma was disregarded. As and it a broke sentence. my heart. It was reduced to like it reminding her of her father reading to her during these storms. Yeah, because they always made her uneasy. And okay, so this is my theory. I feel like maybe season three, this is like putting me, like I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here. This is like what I would need to happen. 
maybe they make her uneasy and I'm hoping they revisit it in season three if they want to like actually show us Kate and Anthony again like maybe she still is uneasy about thunderstorms and we find out maybe her father used to read to her because of the bad memories they evoke and because maybe we actually will get to see like the trauma that you know her mom dying left her with and like I'm praying that maybe the reason yeah like why the dad read to her during those nights was because to get her mind off of uh what she witnessed as a child I don't know I think it's sad that they removed that because it was such an important part of what they related you know the two of them like how they related to each other to one another because yes it's the whole duty thing and blah 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 the love for your family yeah sure but I think what the both of them truly related on at least in the book as Kate and Anthony was their trauma, their shared trauma, mm-hmm. and how it presents in both of them differently yet similarly. Uh, yeah. It would have been nice to see uh, a phobia like that as a result of a traumatic event um, and see those repercussions on Kate. Uh, especially because, like I said at the beginning, she's her vulnerability is toned down here. Yeah. So I would have liked to see that from her. And I feel like they had the room. They could have done it. It really wouldn't have taken that much more for them to add that in. They didn't. And it pisses me off even more because I think there's like three storms during the whole season. So I'm like, clearly you knew. Like they really wanted you to feel angry about it. (laughs) Right? Right? Like every time (laughs) it storms, I'm like, really guys? Really you're going to, like you could have made this a really sunny sunny season (laughs) so that's why i'm literally holding out hope season three like her trauma gets uncovered like they could fix it if they really wanted to they could take everyone's feedback and be like you know what let's actually add this trauma in let's do it because they could do it or they could have her go through something in the in the next season that actually triggers her her trauma for real you know maybe it's not there yet and it actually comes after i don't know i don't know i'm trying i just they gave us a library scene but they didn't give us the library scene. They didn't give us the library scene, no. But yeah. I do think it's important for us to remove ourselves from the library scene and yeah. look at the library scene that we did get, which is nonetheless important and a beautiful scene. It's just not the scene, but it's a good scene. Yeah. Like, I feel like their sexual tension is still, like, it's so like it's still so strong. And, like, you feel it. And, like, you know, like, you see the invisible line between them in that scene where, like, they... They don't want to cross it, but, like, they're, they come so close to well, it. Well, it's the scene where Kate gets to ask Anthony, how did your father die? And he tells her a yeah. bee sting. Yeah. And, and you see how she just connected all the dots that she needed to connect. He yes. doesn't need to say more than that. She understands him to a, such an extent that she immediately knows what he means by that. And after that, obviously, it kind of gets, like, hot you know between them inevitably but i love how if you look at anthony's face and they do spend a lot of time on his face you see everything that he's saying with his eyes that he's not saying out loud like his facial expression is very very good in that scene like the way he's looking at her so intensely and you see the words you know between them that are not said out loud so good as how did you feel about like that scene in that particular moment like with them i thought it was beautiful i got to see them be more vulnerable with each other yeah 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I understand where you girls are where you girls are coming from where you guys didn't get the library scene, but I thought it was a good scene. Yeah. yeah. Nonetheless, I think it was a good scene because she also, you know, he gave her something that was, you know, that made him vulnerable and she's like, "You know what? I'll share about my father and like what happened and throughout all of that." So, I feel like they did have their moments. And does it Edwina, she up until that point she doesn't know like something intimate and about Anthony. And yet she's in love. She, yet she's in love. She knows she nothing knows about nothing. this man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is also, there's a very brief uh, line here that breaks me. There's two lines in this episode particularly that break me, but this is the first one. At the very end of that scene, just, you know, when the, the thunder booms and like that shakes uh, Kate and she like leaves. Do you mm. did you notice that Anthony goes? It's okay, it's okay. Like right away, he wants to comfort her, but she's like, "I'm out of here," <laughs> you know. Yeah. I it breaks yeah. me because like right away, his like first instinct was to try to comfort her, but I didn't for, catch that. Yeah, go back and listen to that. I think I'm. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's that scene anyway. I don't see what other scene it could be, but he literally says like, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay," and then in her mind, she's already like moved on and like she needs to run away, you know. So I just I love it. It's just like it's just so annoying because they had so many opportunities to like drop whatever like pretenses they had or like he had like he could have dropped his like chase for Edwina like mm-hmm. there were so many moments. Yeah, so we get to the I think it's called the Hearts and Flowers Ball at yes. Aubrey Hall. Uh, Everyone's in pink. Eloise has this amazing line where she's being asked by a suitor to dance and he says, would you do me the honor? And Eloise says, of what? (laughs) And Violet is like, of dancing, dear. (laughs) I love Eloise so much. I think Eloise like annoyed some people last season, but she really won me over here. I mean, I liked her last season. She wasn't like annoying to me, but she's, she really won me over here. Like she was amazing. I loved her character. Um, I don't. I to be honest, I don't recall her character at all in book one and two because that's all I've read. Um, so I don't even know what she's like in her own book. So I don't even know how different of a character she is from her character in the book. So. Eloise is Eloise. So we get a momentous scene because Edwina again is clueless. <laughs> Anthony and Kate's first dance <laughs> because Edwina insisted that they dance. Like. Let's- <laughs> And it's funny. It's funny because literally Lady Danbury keeps looking at them like something's going on. Daphne keeps looking at them like something's definitely going on. And you just have Edwina on the sidelines like perfectly oblivious. With a big grin on her face. (laughs) Like not noticing shit. And you're like, are you for real? (laughs) So she pushes Kate to dance with Anthony. Or rather, she pushes Anthony to ask Kate to dance yeah, so they start dancing, and at first it's a, it's just like you know them over uh, with some music. They're not talking, and you just get to enjoy, uh, you know, the tension between them, as they have eyes for each other only, and everybody else has ceased to exist <laughs> in the room. Uh, and then Kate is like, "Do you have something to ask me?" Yeah. And then he's like, he vaguely remembers, oh, wait, you're not the person that I'm supposed to be with. <laughs> Anyways, um, so basically they're dancing. And like you said, um, 
she does say like do you have something to ask me and then he like uh you know they have a talk and um (laughs) there's like a moment where he's like do you want me to reconsider and all that stuff because you know like in that moment he's like oh shit like like it's like could this be an option like wait what's going on and um and then she tells him she like bursts his bubble and she's like after my sister gets married well I'm actually no first India. first she says uh i don't think that what i want matters and there's this important oh. line from anthony where he says i don't think that that's true i'm like yes anthony thank you somebody <laughs> tell this girl that what she wants her desires matter that she counts yeah. that she should have you know things that she's hoping for as well and that it's not just fucking yeah. Edwina over here. Anyways. And then, yeah. you know, she's yes. like, I'm going to leave for India. Yeah. And then his heart, sh- like, you can see dropped. his heart shatter. It dropped in the yeah. pit of his stomach. The utter betrayal on his face when she says, I'm leaving for India. And he's like, wait, you're going to, like, he, I think he says, like, you're going to leave your sister. But, like, in the way, like, it made it seem like he was saying, you're going to leave me. He goes unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> he literally leaves her on the dance floor and leaves the room. And Edwina is like on the sideline, like, "Oh my god, Kate, did you just mess it up again?" I'm like, "Bitch, what did you say, Kate?" Silence. <laughs> remain silent yeah. right now. We don't want to hear you. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So and so she follows him into the study, mm-hmm. and um, what happens there, guys? Uh, well, so he's borderline unhinged like i said he's huffing and puffing uh he's he's pacing around the room and she's like why are you so distressed yeah (laughs) and he's really holding on to that like she's gonna leave because yeah he didn't realize she wasn't gonna be in his life no more well obviously you're not even marrying her what do you expect listen he's an idiot okay (laughs) He, he's like the ultimate idiot and I like I love it <laughs> I love him and then he point blank like tells her he's like you hate me and then he's like why do you hate me yeah no he's um, like have, have, have I done something to you like why yes. do you dislike me so and then she's like you're vexing me and then yeah. and then he's like why do you always like do everything Doesn't to... he say something like, tell me you feel nothing oh, or girl. something like that? Yeah. Or, or so basically, yeah. she's like, you vex me. And then he's like, and what is it do you think you do to me? Yeah. And then he gets all up in her business. No, she, he, he's then like, he's like, you hate me. You vex me. You hate me. Yeah. And then she's like, I hate you. Yeah. But you can yeah. see in her expression, like, we only get the side of her face, but I feel like she's kind of nodding as she's saying it. And you kind of feel that, like... She knows it's not true, that she doesn't hate him. Yeah. She's only saying it to hurt him in that moment. Yeah. And she repeats it twice, and then he gets real up close, and then he says, I am a gentleman. The number of time in this series, this season, that <sighs> this man has had to tell himself, I am a gentleman, because he was holding on by a thread. <laughs> because he, like, he sticks on the idea of his honor. He sticks so close to that, and, like, yeah, I've seen people saying, like, I could get drunk how many times he said that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he's holding on to that. He's repeating it out loud to himself to make him believe that he is, in fact, a gentleman because his honor is, in fact, holding by a thread at this point. So, yeah, he's like, I'm a gentleman. And I love that she's like, and your heart is with my sister. And he's like, and my heart is with your sister. Like, they're both trying to convince themselves. And then 
he gets real but up But he close. didn't finish the sentence, did he? No, he does. Yeah, he does. But it takes him like, he, he says, and my, and my heart is with your sister. Like, there's a, there's a mm, pause. Okay. Um, and then he gets real up close and he says, uh... His lips are glistening. Listen, when I watched it the first time, because his lips were shiny, I was like, is this the kiss? Because, like, clearly Jonathan Bailey, like, prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I for sure thought they were going to kiss because I was like, this is such an actor thing to do. To, like, make sure your lips are smooth and, you know, nice for this kiss or something. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, their, their lips are literally touching. Um... But he says, say you do not care for me. Tell me you feel nothing and I will walk away. Obviously, I'm doing a very poor job. Like, just the way Jonathan okay, you Bailey. you breathe it out to me. I can't. I am not Jonathan <laughs> Bailey. But the way he says it, my body was fully engaged. I yeah. was literally Every like. Cell. Oh, like, I don't even know how to describe what my body was going through in that moment. Full body shivers. Yeah. 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 That was an alpha moment from him, I have to say. Anthony really gives me like alpha vibes like but he's supposed to be more like beta as a guy you know but I'm sorry I love this version of Anthony like he yeah generally speaking Julia Quinn's heroes are considered more like beta heroes you know okay that you know give and take as much as they get type of thing and like they're not alpha holes but that was an alpha moment from from Mr. Anthony Bridgerton here. And I loved it. I, I was shook it to my core. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> As did you feel like they were, um, like, did you feel like they were going to kiss or like, what did you feel like was going to happen next? I thought they were going to kiss. Like, I thought they were going to get like very hot and heavy. I was waiting yeah. for that. I was waiting for that too. So what happened instead though? Tell us. Fucking Daphne walks in and interrupts. Not fucking Daphne. That's funny as hell. She- yeah. It was hilarious. It was. I was really expecting her to be like, you know what? You marry her or else we too will have done, bitch. She does. She literally <laughs> says that. And he's like, well, the, the difference is that you're the lady and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he gets out yeah. of that. But the double standard. I love that she got to she got to give him what she got in her own season. It was great. Yeah. It was great. I really love Daphne here. <laughs> I loved her this season. Uh, but uh, this leads us to the moment where she's like, well, clearly you have feelings for her. And Anthony says, what kind of feelings? And she says love. Yeah. And the moment she says love, everyone went, oh, no. <laughs> she just said the L word. <laughs> yeah. And then you see, like, the resolution in his yeah. eyes. You see, like, he's like, I know what I got to do. And he's like... Thank you. I, I got it. I know it. I know what I'm doing. And Daphne's like smiling all happy like she did something. Like she really thinks he's going to go and propose to Kate. And she has yeah. no idea. She has no idea. Yeah. And at the same time, Kate's also having a moment with Lady Danbury. And that Lady Danbury knows the full truth of like, you know, the Sheffield and like the inheritance. And she's like to Kate, why are you jeopardizing this? Yeah. With like getting your own feelings involved. And um. Yeah, Kate is not ready to admit. Yeah, she says you, you know, should be honest feels. with your sister and with yourself. Exactly. Which brings us to the second line that absolutely fucking breaks me. Oh no. So the Sheffield Sharma family are about to leave uh and uh, leave Aubrey Hall. 
Kate is about to tell something to her sister, which we don't know what that was, but I'm choosing to believe that that she was going to tell her that she's the reason why he didn't yeah. propose and that she has feelings for Anthony. Like, I think she was going to come out and say it in that moment. That's what I thought, too. I presume that. But then, or, or, or she could have been about to say about the whole, like, uh, Sheffield scheme. Sheffield. But I, I yeah. think she was going to admit her feelings in that moment. Anthony walks yeah. out. He's like, wait, can I talk to you? And the line that breaks me is that Kate turns around all happy and she's like, of course. And he says, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, that broke my heart. I know. My heart oh my God. fell out of my chest. Yeah. And then I love that the camera pans to her as the whole scene unfolds. That was so cold. And she kind of, she turns around with like, kind of like relieved and like with a smile on she's her She's like, face of course, too. yes. Yeah. Oh my god. No, and then so basically we're not we're totally avoiding what happens, but this man goes on one knee. Well, because it fucking breaks proposes. me first, okay? This scene breaks me first and then it breaks me even further. It, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And then he proposes to Edwina and it, like I said it pans to Kate's face and you see like it all crumble and she's, like inside her and she's and, so like, close she, to them too. She has yeah. front row seats to all that. It goes further yeah. than that because the moment he gets down on his knees, literally Kate becomes background furniture. She, yeah. like, you see Edwina give her a glove so that the ring can go on her finger. And you have a shot of, of just Kate holding the glove. And she's become, like, furniture. And yeah. I'm like, ouch. That is yeah. actually awful. Feels awful. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. The engagement. We're here. We've made it. We've Did made you it. think they were going to take it that far? No. I didn't want them to. I didn't think they would. I didn't think they were going to take it that far. I kept thinking they weren't. And I think this is the point where um, I kind of struggled with the rest of the season because I was still like trying to process my own shock that they were actually taking yeah. it there. So yeah. that's why I'm actually excited to rewatch the next four episodes because I feel like I'm going to enjoy them so much more now that I've like moved on past that and I know that it's coming and that it's here and I can just enjoy the angst and the push and pull for what it is as opposed to just me being like, are they actually going there? Like, what the hell? So yeah. I did not expect that. Because to I think at far. this point now, it's just like, this is okay. So this is kind of the issue that I had with it because like, I didn't expect it to go this far. And, like, of course we know Anthony and Kate are the main couple. They have, like, all the emotions. They have all the rights. But then the moment that ring goes on Edwina's finger, her her anger and her, like, betrayal is justified at that point. And, like, and it's not, like, it, it's not cheating for, like, in a way, but it kind of is in the sense where, like, yes, he didn't promise Edwina anything, no love or anything, but she's under the impression that there's love involved. And they kind of go behind her back and do things. I know I'm getting ahead. We're not there yet. But I'm just saying, like, it kind of put this, like, shroud of, like, negativity and, like, I don't know, like, wrongness around Kate and Anthony, whereas I never felt that in the book. And I never I never wanted to feel that about my couple that I loved in this this series. And it's just, like, I didn't like it. I really did not like where they went after this proposal. But I enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed the seasons we got of Kate. Not seasons, sorry. The scenes of Kate and Anthony. And, of course, everything in the end worked out. But I just didn't like in those few episodes where, like, things were just 
Edwina had a right to be angry. I think I'm going to eat it up the second time around. Like, this is the angst I'm here for. <laughs> no, and I, I love the angst. I love Forbidden. I love Forbidden. And just, it's, I never imagined Kate and Antony as, like, forbidden romance. But I'm here for it now. I liked it. I think it worked out better. I enjoyed it more the way it played out in the show than what it did in the, the book. In the book. Because it, it was angsty. I, I felt all the angst throughout from there on the rest of the episodes. Mm-hmm. It was very angsty. Um, so yeah. I had no issues with it. I love the drama. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, I understand where Anthony was coming from. Like, his decision of, like, you know, removing love from the equation. I understand. And as soon as he realized his feelings for Kate was love. Like, very early on, you know. And, like, you know. We all know. He knows that it was love that he felt for Kate. And he was running from that. So, like... I, I see it, and I, I understand why he made these decisions. He was just running away. Yeah. And I didn't say this at the beginning, but I can kind of understand why they didn't go with, you know, scene for scene, the Viscount who loved me. Even though if there's any book in that series that was perfect for TV to the point where you're reading it and it's kind of like a movie in your head it's that book and the one story they should have rewritten was the duke and i and they didn't they, do that well, they did yeah. except that one scene so but they love the drama like that's that's pretty clear to me Land loves the drama but yeah. the, the reason why i think they didn't do it is because if they had i think season two would have ended up looking very similar as far as pacing of the romance to season one where halfway through they get married and then they have like issues as a married couple they're not being honest with each other and then they get they may they make up by the end yeah but then on the flip side we only get anthony and kate married and happy for like like you said nine minutes so unless they do what everyone wants and you know we get a a lot more of them in the upcoming seasons yeah, I really hope there's a subplot in season three and four and like whatever seasons they are in because yeah. I think they deserve there's so it. much left unfinished. I think yeah. they deserve it. And I could see some romance readers not liking that because we're very much used to once your book is done, the focus should be on the next one, which fine. But if we focus so much on the Featheringtons, I think we can focus yeah. on the Bridgertons instead. The past Bridgertons that have already had their happy ending. It's called Bridgerton. Exactly. It's called Bridgerton for a reason. It's not called Bridgerton yeah. slash Featherington. No, I'm really hoping they do not have as much Featheringtons in upcoming season. Unless it yeah. is Penelope's season, in which case, go ahead, you know... Yeah, do this it. whole like thing with uh, what's his name, Jack Featherington, and I couldn't Portia. have less. That could have been dealt with in Penelope season. Okay, we don't need that, and that was disgusting. I think the only thing I liked about that storyline is when uh, uh, Portia tells him, "I am a mother." Like that line was good. She remembered she was a mom. Yeah. Well, no, but she was like, no, I'm a mother. Like, I, yeah. I'm i going to do whatever I need to do to protect my girls. And they are my team. I love that she literally says, I have a team. I have three girls that are amazing and I need to protect them. I am a mother. She remembers she has three girls. I was shocked that she did. <laughs> Not just two. There are different kinds of mothers in the world. And I do think the show shows that i i if it wasn't for this recording for like our podcast i would have skipped all their scenes including penelope's yeah so uh, i don't i think they did her a disservice 
Yeah, I didn't like Penelope here. But anyway, uh, we should keep that for next episode. Our yes, whole, we'll like, talk about speculations that for what might, you know, come next and etc. etc. So, this brings us to the end of episode four, as well as the end <laughs> two of hours and our <laughs> first episode on this. So, um, yeah, two and a half hours later. My voice was dead about an hour in, so apologies for all of your ears. <laughs> Up until this point, how did you, I think we already talked about it, but like, it made you want to keep watching, didn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%, right? Mm -hmm. I know as for sure. Yeah. Episodes, episodes three and four were solid. Yeah, yeah. they were. I think episode one and two, I was still kind of like unsure, mostly the pacing because there was so much back and forth between Featheringtons and Bridgertons. Mm -hmm. Episode three and four is when I went, okay, I'm in in. Like I can't stop watching. And, yeah. and like I, I, I cannot, you know, say this enough. If you're having issues with this season, definitely go back and just watch the Bridgerton storylines. It, it storyline it completely holds up by itself because it, it's there nothing else is influencing their storyline, which proves yeah. that it's completely unnecessary. It's it's separate yeah, from exactly. everything else. So you can totally just watch that, and you'll see how the pacing is actually pretty good when you just look at the Bridgerton stuff. I think, yeah, when I do my rewatch, because I will be doing a rewatch of the show, this season in particular, um, I'll, I'll do it that way, for yeah, sure. Yeah, highly recommend. <laughs> so, yeah. Part two, incoming, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be that long of a wait, don't worry. Yeah, no. Uh, I'll try to, you know, post both, uh, or edit both in uh, record time. <laughs> So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. It was a very long episode, uh, but hopefully uh, we had good conversations. And uh, if you have anything you would like to add, um, let us know. How do you feel about the changes from the book to the series? How did you like the season as a whole? Do you feel the same about the Featheringtons being too much in this season? Uh, anything you would like to, to tell us, feel free to find us online. You can find us on Twitter at the RTM Pod, as well as on Instagram at Romancing the Monsters Podcast. You can also email us at Romancing the Monsters Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, TikTok is Romancing the Monsters Pod. And also, uh, if you want to find us on YouTube, um, it's just search Romancing the Monsters podcast and you should be able to find us. As always, if you, you're ever like you miss something, um, uh, everything is in the description. So everywhere you can find us, it's always in the description down below as well. Uh, if you're looking for me specifically, uh, I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at foes and lovers. And you can find me as at but this book on both Twitter and Instagram. I might find one blank. <laughs> Um, and you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And also, please feel free to like or subscribe um, on any of the podcast platforms. That's a lie. You can't like us. Can you like us? You can You can heart the episodes if you'd like. Um, but you can also leave reviews on Google. No, not Google. It's Spotify and Apple Podcast, right? Um, you can leave us a review and just tell us what you like, what you dislike, if you have any comments for sure. Um, yeah, and don't forget to share the episode if you like it. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it. We'll see you very soon with part two. Bye. Bye. Oh, sorry. Bye. <laughs> so <laughs> eager to say bye. Okay. <laughs>